This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Hey, Anderson, how are you? Uh, good, Ken. How are you? Good, 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 good. I start this um, with everybody that I talk to. Um, what does the word Vietnamese mean to you? Uh, means basically who I am, <laughs> where my family's from. Um, yeah, I mean, it means uh, basically a, a diaspora community that I'm in. I mean, I'm very um, involved in, in the sense of like, I have many friends who are Vietnamese and Vietnamese American. Um, I, you know, you know, I growing up, Growing up in Hawaii, I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I, I was a Vietnamese, but I didn't really practice, uh, you know, like, um, I would say being Vietnamese in the sense that, you know, like, um, because, you know, I, you know, the community was very small, uh, you know, as regarding my, my immediate family, which is us here in Hawaii, and my aunt, right, and everyone else, all of my other relatives were pretty much on the mainland or around the world. Um, but, you know, in the sense that, you know, as in through adulthood and through my, um, you know, I guess career in, you know, um, film festivals, I think it was like, you know, just kind of, that's how I kind of rekindled my, um, I, I guess, like, um, my roots or my culture, uh, so to speak, uh, by going back to Vietnam and then, um, you know, kind of like getting into the, and really much so, um, getting into that community of, uh, of overseas Vietnamese who are working in the film industry. Um, uh, and then you can make, you know, dear friends and business partners, essentially, you know, um, and kind of delving into that space. You were born May 4th, right? No, May 6th. May 6th. I'm sorry. Yeah. May 6th, 1975. Yeah. You. Yes. Are... Yeah. You gave me my, my, my age, sorry. man. Thanks. Sorry. No worries. No. <laughs> That's all right. I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't care. It's, it's, I, I think it's significant to what you're. Follow-up question is, yes. Yeah, it's very- 1975, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah May yeah, yeah. 6, 1975. That's a few days, a little bit over a week um, after the mass exodus. Uh, you were born basically on the plane over- Right, mass US, exodus, right? you're talking about the fall, the fall of Saigon, basically, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So you were, you were on a plane. Yeah, so my parents, my parents were, you know, we're lucky enough to, um, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're able to uh, uh, get um, get on a plane, Pan Am flight, um, to to the U.S. And my mom was like nine months pregnant with me. Um, I think we started, um, you know, we we went to um, 
the Philippines, you know, just to basically refuel for a few days. And we're, we're able to, um, you know, uh, immediately go on, on, you know, basically refuel the plane and go head to the U.S. And we're on our way to Arkansas, right? Because, um, I mean, a lot of my um, other relatives, like my aunts and uncles and their families were already um, in the U.S., um, already established, well, not, not just, just um, already um, established in the Midwest and the South, you know, uh, and Utah, two or three of my aunts. And, um, and we were supposed to be on our way there to Arkansas, right? Um, but, um, you know, my mom's water broke on the plane. And so we had on the, over the Pacific. And so we had to, um, uh, they had to, they had to um, land the ground the flight in Honolulu. And if you've been to flown into Honolulu airport, um, you'll see on the side of a mountain, not very far, like this very big pink building. And that's Tripper Hospital. And that's like the army hospital, right? Uh, um, and uh, yeah, my, 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 my mom and dad were rushed there. And uh, I was born on in Tripler Hospital um, on, in Honolulu. And I know because a... basically, yeah, basically, um, uh, or go ahead. No, I have a, a really bad habit of asking people, um, especially around our generation, when their birthday were, was, because I want to know, I always am curious of who was the first baby to be born in the US after the fall of Saigon. And I, I haven't met anybody um, who's been born before you, like April 29th, April 30th, April, um, you know, anywhere in that ballpark of a week, basically, um, that you were born. So I would consider you probably the first baby born in, uh, well, in the, in, the, in the U.S. That has significance um, of where you're born in Hawaii because the vast majority of the rest of the Vietnamese American um, children that, that came, came to the continental U.S. and life for us was a little bit different. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to grow up in Hawaii because it's predominantly Asian? Sure. So like, I mean, you know, just like uh, continuing that my story, you know, like basically the story of my birth, <laughs> like, uh, 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 yeah, um, baby Jesus, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, uh, um, you know, so like basically I was born in, in, in Honolulu and in, um, but in like, I had jaundice, you know, I was like, you know, um, yellow on yellow, but uh, so I had to be <laughs> basically, uh, you know, those like, the square, you know, like those yeah. like glass um, boxes, right? And like under like the, you know, like how, you know, you know like you, know, you go to 7-Eleven, like fried chicken or spring rolls are like, like are, are, are kept warm. Basically that was me, right? That was yeah. kept warm under this like light for like 10 days. And so like my, my, you know, my parents always were there. And then my dad, like, you know, um, I think there was excitement. Uh, I was, I was my, 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 my dad tells me um, uh, amongst the hospital staff because they were, my parents were like their first Vietnamese refugees. I mean, the, you know, the fall of Saigon was like maybe 10 days or prior, right? Or something like that. And so they, you know, they, they basically all the hospital staff just basically literally um, put out a hat, you know, and, and people were just donating money. Wow. Cause my, my parents, my parents had no, nothing on just off the clothes, just the, literally this clothes off their back, right? Uh, and then, and then my dad, my dad was just noticing, uh, you know, like, you're like, wow, the, you know, the weather here is like, oh, it's just like Vietnam. <laughs> like it's like you know very it's like tropical and like it's like that's kind of like it's a and also the fact that he's he knows a lot of asian faces you know 
he knows a lot of Asian faces. And he's like, you know, like, oh, America is supposed to be just white people, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so like, I think, um, so the, you know, they were given the choice, like to continue onwards, to continue the journey to Arkansas uh, or um, stay in Hawaii. And you know, because I was born in US soil, I think they had the choice, right? So my dad said, yeah, yeah, let's just stay here. I mean, they were the only, they had no family attachments in Hawaii or anything like that, you know? It's so like all the family, like, you know, was basically on the, on, on, on the continent, right? Like in the Midwest and the mm -hmm. South. Um, were you yeah. guys the first Vietnamese family there? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You no, know, no, no. But I mean, just maybe more so in the sense that, uh, I'm sure there were other families here. They, here in, in Hawaii through other, you know, means, but I mean, I, th I think just, I, you know, with, with like, you know, your like life is like, you're the, you're the hero in your story, you know, your narrative, right? So I think in, in that, in, the, in, in, in our family, that was, that was our story. So, um, but I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, it's just like, just to, just because of circumstances, we were one, definitely one of the first. Within the, you know, all the Asian faces in Hawaii, um, as you were growing up as a kid, did you ever get made fun of or bullied for being Vietnamese? Because, you know, on the mainland, we just got bullied for being Asian. And, you know, they, there was no distinction. There was like ching, ching, chong this, but it was, a, nobody really understood who the hell you were, or where the fuck you came from. I don't remember, I don't remember. No, no, I would say no. Um, um... No, I mean, because you know, like I think, like yeah, in Hawaii, it was based basically, especially as a as a as an Asian kid, you know, Asian American kid. It was just like that was just you were basically the uh, you were basically the majority, right? Yeah. Honestly, I, I, honestly, I just like, and this is like the you know, I, you know, the, I grew up in the late seventies and eighties, and I I just remember like you know my going to the beach. That's what we did, right, in the weekend, and like. I remember I have a distinct memory of um, you know, uh, basically, you know, um, these guys, they were, I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're Hawaiian or very brown, right? Um, and then they were chasing up after this white guy and beating him up and they're trying to, you know, beat him up and stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, I just remember they were very going after him and like the white guy basically, you know, ran over this, you know, this family's um, blanket full of stuff, right? And like, they were chasing him and like the, the, one of the guys stopped and like, are you guys okay? Oh, I'm so sorry, and picked up their stuff and then continued to run over, run over to, to, to chase after the white guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, growing up in school, like, you know, like uh, in elementary school, I, I, I remember one or two times that it was like, you know, kill holiday you know we basically you know it was we picked, you know they, you know basically bullies picked on like you know a random uh white kid white you kid. know and you know white 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 is like you know is howley right it's yep. uh in, in you know kind of hawaii vernacular right um so yeah i mean like it's like you know i mean all of my all of my teachers i mean you know there's a all of my teachers my, elementary school teachers are all like japanese women you know uh I know it's like, you know, like it was mostly all women. I mean, that was just the seventies, you know, in, in a way. So, but um, yeah, I mean, our governor was <laughs> Japanese, yeah. you know, I mean, if anything is like, you know, I mean, you know, I had neighbors who were Hawaiian, Chinese, you know, uh, you know, uh, mixed, you know, just definitely mixed, a lot of mixed, that was Hawaii. That's Hawaii for you. I mean, the word Hapa, you know, uh, um, you know, is a 
you know, comes from Hawaii and Hawaii culture. So that, that was kind of like just the, you know, kind of just everyday life. Yeah. What does Hapa mean? You know, in reflection of that. Uh, it means like, uh, you know, I think uh, it means a Hawaiian word and it's adopted in a sense. And it's kind of controversial now because it's, you know, in the sense that, you know, it's Hapa is half Hawaiian, you know, like Hawaiian and, and another kind of ethnicity, right? Um, but, you know, it's kind of been adopted, especially by, you know, like um, mixed, you know, of, of Asian descent, you know, usually, you know, when you think of Hapa, you think of uh, something like Asian or something else and white, right? And, uh, um, but um, I think it's just like, you know, it's just been misused, you know, in, in a sense. Um, um, if you're mixed, you're just, you know, you're mixed, right? But I mean, necessarily, not necessarily mean you're a hapa, right? Right. Just like, you know, like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like the differences of Latino and Hispanic, right? So, right, right. So yeah, um, you decided to go to undergrad uh, on the mainland, right? Or was it in Hawaii? No, I, I started in Hawaii, the University of Hawaii, but I did go to, um, to the continent, uh, you know, for, uh, I went to Arizona State University for a bit, yeah. Did, did, you, yeah. did you get to visit um, growing up uh, continental US? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I had like, you know, again, you know, my family, uh, you know, like relatives and stuff like that, and you know, uh, family friends all lived on the, uh, you know, the Midwest. So I, you know, I, I or, or the South, um, you know. So we'd go to summers and spend times in Missouri, you know, or, or Utah. Um, you know, my family friends in Southern California. So you know, I distinctly remember my first trip to Disneyland and Universal Studios, and I was probably like eight, eight years old or something like that, but. I distinctly remember going mostly to kind of this, you know, to Missouri and Utah, because uh, you know, um, I, my, you know my, my 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 parents came from very big families. Like my mom was the youngest of fifteen kids, and <laughs> my dad was the youngest son of like ten. So, did you, we were close did you to have, we were close to some relatives versus others. You know, obviously there's relatives I've never met before, yeah. right? So, did you have? Um... Did you have early recollections of like the difference of you know we're in the Mer we're in America but it's different in Hawaii versus you know Missouri or Arkansas? Oh yeah, everything you know sensory you know I mean just from just observations like you know there's a lot of white people or a lot of non-Asian people um, you know I mean we spoke hey you know I mean my cousins always joked like we spoke funny you know because we had like this you know uh, local or pigeon kind of uh, accent you know. Um, uh, you know, we would tease each other, you know, they would go, you know, they would always joke around that we always say, at the end, always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would joke back to them, and like, you always say, golly, golly, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the food, I mean, from the food to the weather, you know, it's very sensory. Yeah, definitely, you know, it's like, oh, wow, the, the roads are bigger, you know, there's a lot more space, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I mean, the food is different, you know, I, I remember, like, you know, I mean, this is, um, in Salt Lake City, like, you know, my, my, my aunt made pho for us. And like, uh, and I was like, oh, you know, like, but, you know, there's, this is, a, you know, uh, you know, they weren't like Asian markets, you know, like back in the day, or they're very right. small, remote or something like that. Right. So yeah, they, you know, we, they, you know, like um, they would, they would use, they would use Tabasco to like, uh, uh, you know, to, you know, just basically eat pho. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, 
but you know stuff like that you know i think it was like uh yeah it was a different time for sure so strange what about the um the treatment that you would would you experience treatment from the white community when you would go visit people in salt lake or missouri arkansas what, was there a distinct difference because now you're not now you're in Hollyland, right you're in uh a world that's not predominantly asian was there did you feel a difference or not really? Uh, I mean, are you talking about like like racism or something like that? Or? Yeah, I mean, maybe not even distinctly racism, but just the feeling of being on the outside or being the other. No, I mean, I was like young. I, I wasn't cognizant of stuff like that, you know? And then also, like, you know, like I had like cousins who were much older than I am. Like, you know, like it was like, like, you know, 10, 15 years older. They were adults, basically. And, you know, they, they you know, their partners, their significant others were not Vietnamese, you know, either white or black or, you know, and uh, yeah, um, it was weird. You know, I think, um, you know, we, it was, I, I just, I just think of like, I, I consider my cousins who were Vietnamese, like, you know, mainlanders too, you know, like they were kind of all glop, gloop, goop, goop, group together, you know, in the sense, like, it's like, uh, you know, like Southerners who like, you know, they, you know, they, on the weekends, they go drink beer and go, you know, party on the, at the lake, you know, to go like, and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay. You know, like, it's like, it's fine. You know, it's like, like you know, for me, it's like, oh, it's no different from like, you know, just going to, you know, if there's Hawaii, going to the beach, you know, and, uh, and doing that you know so uh you know i just felt like you know it was just um yeah no i think uh we weren't treated differently per se you know and partly because you know we were kind of i mean i was very young so you know the, the my 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 world view is basically whatever my wherever my right. parents took me which were usually you know family gatherings or what have you so when you were uh in high school did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with your life at that time? Uh, no, I mean, I loved film, you know. Even that uh, early? I loved his... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I was a total geek, a total nerd, you know. I just, like, I loved, you know, like, Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, summer movies, Batman, comic books, you know, I was a name it. You know, like, I was like a, I was a denizen of, like, well, my local comic book shop, you know, you know, go to catch the bus, you see, you know, um, you know, movies constantly, you know, like, you know, I just loved, um, you know, and also, you know, just, uh, yeah, just, you know, and your family store, had a, you name it. And your family had a, a toy business uh, in Honolulu. Well, like a, like a electronics video game toy store that, um, yeah, my dad, yeah, I mean, my dad was like a, definitely an operator, you know, he was like, uh, uh, in the sense that, you know, like he would, sell, you know, go to the go to the flea market or swap meet and sell random stuff, you know, like, and, and it was just like, there was no rhyme or reason to what he sold. It was like cutlery, pots, pans, toys, like samurai swords, you name it. <laughs> you know, like, it's like knickknacks and whatever. <laughs> Pogs, you know, like, it's like, I was like, you know, like, it's like, okay. And then it kind of like, and then kind of like, like uh, and then when he opened up his store, it was a random, random smattering of that it wasn't like a drugstore or anything like that it was just like whatever i didn't like i think it's just because and then video games kind of it was like the time of nintendo and sega and like and like you know he went to his first like uh, you know like kind of trade show uh and then like you know like nintendo was like blowing up and so he just 
had a small kind of section on that and it kind of grew like a virus and it kind of took over, you know, wow. so, yeah. And so, all right, so you have, um, you're finished with high school, you make a decision to go to, into college, you pick a major and you, you know, did you go into film right away at the time? No, no, I, I never really, I never went to film school or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I graduated with a degree in history, I actually double majored history and communications. So I was thinking like maybe, you know, something practical, like, you know, like, you know, like going, going into telecommunications or something, like, you know, like, uh, and, uh, or stuff like that, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I had like, you know, interest in like maybe journalism or maybe the news, you know, maybe a, as a reporter or maybe as a, you know, kind of producer in that sense, but, uh, but or, or, you know, or going into teaching, you know, uh, right. um, yeah, so. Um, cause I was, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at math and I love science, but I'm terrible at math. I'm terrible. Like, you know, like it's like, so yeah, I just like, oh yeah, it's just like, you know, the arts and, you know, like going to the arts or going to something else like liberal, liberal, the liberal arts was definitely my, more my bag. Right. And then, so when did you slowly start to make the transition into, you know, working in the business? Uh, you know, I mean, I was, you know, in Hawaii, you know, I attended the Hawaii International Film Festival, you know, and as a just as a as a patron, right, as an audience member, and I just loved seeing films from all over the world. You know, I, just, I remember seeing my first Vietnamese film. You know, which which like one Vietnam was Vietnam film, film? Yeah, uh, it was um, oh, oh um, um, the Dang Nat Ming film um, when the ten month tenth tenth month comes, right? Um, black and white film was made in eighty four. Um, uh, very much an anti-war film um and uh it just kind of blew my mind you know i mean because usually my I, I growing up you know like it's like my my exposure to kind of vietnamese kind of anything in language is basically you know just either the chinese dubbed dramas right. uh, on on vhs that my parents watched or like paris by night you know and i yep. uh, i was like oh yeah and i was like not into that any of that stuff you know so um, and, uh, I think also maybe if I wasn't, if I had seen that, that film at a younger age, I would have like, just told you like, you know, was, no man, I was like into, I was into grunge. I was into heavy metal grunge, you know, like I was like, I was into like comic books, you know, you name it, you know, I was like, uh, that was not my, um, that didn't spark my interest. So I think, you know, cause I really discovered film, especially more, uh, art house and international films in college, you know, and then, uh, that was that kind of my, my awakening, my cultural awakening. And, and when I saw that film, it kind of blew my mind, you know? So, um, yeah, so. I can imagine. Um, yeah, but anyway, anyway, going back to, so that, that going to the film festival kind of like, and, you know, going to, you know, just like, I know like you're going to like, you know, like uh, various classes, like, you know, I, I did like, you know, like anywhere from like um, French literature to, some political science or American studies, you know, they all, you know, a lot of professors used film as part of the curriculum, you know, like, um, and they're just, you know, seeing films that like, I've never heard of, like, you know, um, but are like, you know, kind of entry points to, um, you know, different, you know, to, to um, you know, major like auteurs and also disciplines and themes that are explored in different decades, you know, so, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, the Citizen Kane type of films, or yeah. you know, like or McCabe and Mrs. Miller, or the Seventh, the uh, the Seventh, uh, the Seventh Seal. You know, those, those type of like films. You know, like, like and I kind of like kind of snowball from there. Like, oh, I go to the library and watch like for hours. I was like, oh, what's 
who's Godard, you know, who's Ozu, you know, like it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, or Kurosawa, you name it. And it was like, you know, just uh, kind of became uh, my obsession in a way. At that time, were there any uh, Vietnamese films that uh, sort of um, made more of an imprint other than the one that you just mentioned? Not really. I mean, not much, much too, like later, like probably, I mean, definitely three seasons, you know, 20, Tony Bui's three seasons. Uh, when I saw that at the Art House Theater, you know, local Art House Theater, and that, that kind of, that, again, blew my mind as well, you know, it's like, um, and, uh, and before that, you know, I really had no interest of like going yeah. back to Vietnam, you know, really, you know, like, it's like, uh, my parents were already going to Vietnam just to visit family. So I was like, I had no interest, you know, like, it's like, I, but then like watching that, I was like, oh, uh, you know, it's just like, just kind of, oh, I definitely am intrigued and want to go back. And like, I, so I did like, you know, you know, a couple of years later. You know, let's talk about Tony's film for a little bit um, and not the film itself, but the actual, you know, what it was released in 1997 or 98? No, no, it came out in 90, 99 or 2000. 99. I remember you yeah, probably yeah. shoot and start working on it in 96. But yeah, I think yeah. 99 was when it was released theatrically. And that made a huge impact on a lot of us. Um, was, that was sort of like the first time a lot of us thought that's possible you know, to work in film. And how did it, yeah. what did it uh, do for you uh, in terms of empowerment or agency to, to kind of like go into that world? Um, just, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely, um, I don't know, I don't know about it was just basically, yeah, it just opened my mind, especially now, I mean, with three seasons, I also kind of like was part of this kind of, um, you know, the, especially like uh, with American independent cinema was kind of very, going through a resurgence of renaissance in the 90s, right? So, I mean, you think of like Soderbergh or you think of, you know, like, you know, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, films like that, or you know, like, um, or Ed Burns, you know, like uh, the Brothers McMullen and, you know, uh uh and like but like with tony and you know tim the, the Bowie brothers uh the Bowie bros uh and like you know likes of like you know um uh you know like justin lynn you know a few years later and like you know you discover like wayne wong you know and whatnot and or even ang lee you know like it's like oh okay you know asian or asian american cinema was kind of like um on the rise um, Kind of did rise and also kind of like dipping its toes in the mainstream, and you know, three cents was a big deal. You know, it's like it was like the you know, it didn't you know, won the hat trick at Sundance and won three the three major awards, right? And uh, it was at the top of the town or like and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it was released by um, you know Miramax, right? And uh, yeah, it was a big deal. So it's in our house circles, you know. So um, that was really um, something that was. Um, intrigued me and then it's just like again it's just basically just seeing people who look like me on the big screen and it wasn't necessarily Vietnamese more Asian right so uh no different from say like better luck tomorrow or even you know a few years prior at the joy luck club or something like that you know so um yeah so it was uh, you know definitely definitely say having that agency in that sense like oh yeah I, I want to work in this world somehow once you got to the mainland to go to you know, to further your school um, in Arizona, what 
what did you study there and um, how did you get more into uh, the film business? It's funny because, uh, you know, I went through there for a program, started the program, uh, the Siyasi program. Uh, it was basically a Southeast Asian language program, language program. And so, you know, I was there to, to learn Vietnamese. Oh, wow. So, Didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was funny. Uh, you know, he had a lot of, lot of you know, like, so um, I was like one of two, I mean, there's only three Vietnamese students. Everyone else was like not, was, was, was basically white, you know? I mean, academics or something like that who were, work, who were studying in Southeast Asia or something, you know, or uh, starting in Vietnam or what have, what have you, so. And, and it, it was- uh, But there were, there was other- Like critical studies about, oh, to learn the actual language. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never knew that. I always thought so, you were in Arizona for, for film, for film studies or something. No, 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 no. I was there to, you know, uh, to learn Vietnamese. And then, you know, of course, and then I took, and then I stayed and took, took more classes, stuff like that, history classes. And like, you know, it's like, and then, you know, I was also, it was like a, it was a party school, man. <laughs> it was a yeah. every night, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I had, I had fun. Let me just say that. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you had nothing to do with uh, the Hawaii International Film Festival while you're in Arizona, or did you do anything, no. any work with them before? No, 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 no. No, this is like, uh, it was just basically just to continue my education. So you come out of Arizona. Um, what was that like? Did you think that you're going to stay back in the mainland to work or like what's going on in your mind at that time? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, like it's like, uh, especially for, you know, you're from Hawaii, kid from Hawaii, you know, I think it's like, you know, I mean, it, I always say growing up in Hawaii, it's a, it's a children's paradise you know you you can like you can go to the beach or or, or you know, always go to the beach or you know you can go like you know um uh, you know basically um uh you know hunt for crayfish you know in the yeah. stream back you know in your backyard or not very far you know go exploring it was like very much like uh you know like it was like the goonies but yeah. like in, in like in hawaii in a way so um it was great. It was great. And then, uh, I, you know, and I, I don't know want to wax nostalgia or anything like that. It's like, you know, it was like, I you know, lived at a time where like, you know, um, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can, you can, you can leave your doors unlocked, you yeah. know, it, it kind of thing, you know, it was like, uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so, but basically, yeah, once you, once you come of age, like as a teenager, like you want to get off the rock, you know, you want to see, see the world. I mean, that's no different from like, if you're like in a small, uh, small town. town, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So in that sense, like, yeah, want to like see the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so as you're uh, leaving Arizona, something. are you getting ready to finish that program and, and, and the world? I mean, then what, what, what's your thinking? I, I went, well, I went to London to, you know, continue my education. You know, it's like, uh, that was fun. That was great. I and, love London. And you studied Vietnamese in London or would you study? No, 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 no. I just studied, uh, no, I was going into like critical studies and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, critical studies. Uh, it was all through this communication um, program I was going through. So, um, but um, yeah, I had a great time. It was yeah, awesome. I can, I can imagine. Like, it was, uh, you know, it was like late 90s, mid late 90s. Like, you know, it was like Oasis was the biggest band in the world, you know? And uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the it was awesome. At, at their height? No, the Smiths was like, you know, like dying in down. the 80s, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was basically kind of Brit Rock, Blur and Oasis, and, 
you name it, you know. And, um, and how long were you verbs, in London for? You know, the verb. Uh, two years. Two, yeah, wow, that's a two long years, time. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, the verb you, pipe. No, the verb or the verb pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Verb. Well, you know, I've known you for a long time and I had no idea you lived in London for two years. And I was just talking to uh, to Bao the other day and we were talking about, um, you know, he's living in three different cities, but he considers London a fourth because of the work that he's done. Um, oh, yeah, so, sure. For B Water. Yeah, and for B Water. water. And he says that that's like one of his favorite cities. I agree. One of my favorite cities in the world. I mean, I would, I, I thought I was going to, like, that. this is it. This is the city for me, you know? You know, live here and stuff like that and uh, um but yeah i mean like, it's like uh it was great it's great um i loved it two years loved everything about it yeah, yeah. not two years maybe two, a year and a half or something yeah it's so, a long time to to spend in yeah. the city yeah 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 so i dug it i yeah i left it i lived in west ealing you know uh was predominantly working class you know and uh um yeah it was great you know you take the you know the underground everywhere it was great it's you know as a student it was i just loved it I just loved it so, you know who uh win Quiduk is of course yeah, yeah. yeah. bow just recently yeah. turned me on to him too <laughs> well apparently I think yeah i know i know i know him from the san francisco days you know yeah. when he was uh, a yeah, so, yeah yeah but he seems like he uh spent some time in england and speaks with a british accent now and <laughs> well yeah i mean he was he was basically bourdain's uh tour on uh like uh you know a couple episodes of uh no reservations you know? yeah i had no idea yeah. who he was i mean I, and then i started to uh, go into the rabbit hole he's a pretty yeah. interesting person yeah mm-hmm. so you leave london come back to where the whole you come back to hawaii you come back to yeah come back to hawaii to regroup you know so yeah yeah so yeah and i was, I was going to go to law school and you know and, and you know then just be um and then like it basically just like and then like I, I and then I, I just basically got a job with the, with the you know city government you know working as a basically as a like a law clerk right yeah um, um dealing with like civil cases um um you know you know stuff like you know someone slips on, slips on the sidewalk on like city property then they get sued that's the kind of you know like it was like uh, you know scintillating stuff like that right <laughs> so uh I was always like, yeah, okay, but then you know, just it was kind of like you know, like kind of in between. Like I was gonna go to you know, or continue on and get you know, go continue schooling or find another job, you know. But uh, but in like you know, the film festival I was attending it and like you know, and like uh, yeah, I was just looking for jobs on 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 the website and I saw a, a kind of a part time job. Um, you know, like a film festival is it's not year round; it's seasonal, right? So. Right. Um, uh, uh, so he's looking for a part-time job, uh, as a seasonal position to, um, do print traffic and what print traffic is, means is basically, you know, uh, you know, getting all the films, uh, for the birds, distributors and filmmakers, shipping them over to basically Hawaii and shipping them to the theaters. And this is like, you know, big this is not five canisters, big five millimeter canisters. I think, you know, it was huge. It was a huge process, you know, like, uh. It was daunting. I mean, I, you know, like it's like, I, you know, that, that was the world of like, um, you know, like pro forma invoices and like tariffs and FedEx and UPS and DHL, you know, and like uh, knowing the, you know, when it comes to like, like logistics, when it comes to, um, uh, you know, um, which, which, you know, like um, um, 
anywhere from like declaring declaring insurance value, making sure it doesn't go above fifty dollars or something to be held back by customs, you know, and uh, which you know uh, what what are the cutoff times for uh, for dropping off a a shipment uh, in like in Nebraska or Tokyo, you know, and so it makes it on the plane and gets to Hawaii within, you know, in, in due time, you know. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. It was like a, a definitely a trial by fire, you know, kind of thing. But I enjoyed it. it I've great. had a whiff of that, you know, working while I was doing distribution with wave releasing and a little bit with Saigon Electric and print trafficking. It is a monster load of work. Um, and especially where you did you have to do the physical side of it, too, where you have to go pick it up or deliver it to different theaters and stuff. Oh yeah, man. I was a young buck, man. You know, man. you got a van, you know, and like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So brutal. it's like it was brutal. I mean, you know, and it, you know, another They're thing heavy. is like, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Cause and you know, you look you the theaters like, you know, where's the dumbwaiter? There's no elevator, you know, like it's I mean I like you have to walk up the stairs to the booth. It's because, you know, they when they they you know a regular commercial movie theater will show like a movie like Independence Day, and then you know, that's the only one time they'll show it and they'll show it. They'll show it for like weeks, you know, yeah. that's the delivery, right? And like, uh, but, you know, for a film festival, you're showing like over a hundred films in like a two week, 10 day to two week period. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So it's you're like, energy. you're like walking up and down like these 50 pound um, Canister. canisters. Yeah, I started thinking, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was, it was, it was, it was backbreaking, you know? And, uh, but it was great, you know, it, that kind of like, <laughs> And that, you know, having that tangible, physical, like in the sense, you know, it's almost like existential, like, yeah. wow, this is film, you know, this is film, you know, like, you know, like, a, you know, like the, the you know, persistence of vision, you know, like these 24 frames or yeah. something like, it's like the flickering of the light and you're seeing images and sound and like, it's like, yeah, it was like kind of like uh, really kind of ignited that sense of um, the magic. So the, yeah. the magic and love. Yeah. Yeah. Cinema yeah. Parody so, is so magic. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't falling in love with some hot European woman. You know, like, it's like, you know, having like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, or like, you know, but I, I, had, I had mentors you know, in a sense, like, you know, he's old codger, like salty, you know, salty, like kind of like projectionists you know union projectionists who've been there forever you know like uh, hilarious hilarity ensues you know but um it was like but you know like working with various like uh seasonal workers you had like these festival gypsies you know in the sense like they would jump on from one festival to another and all that stuff like you know it's a very eclectic cast of characters you know so it was like camp in a way yeah you know yeah it's like when people think about professions like you know they just see you today they're just like he's probably sat in a comfy air-conditioned office for his you know for his time and just watched a bunch of movies to get people don't people don't realize there's gazillions of hours of doing that menial stuff like moving those kind of canisters around for for many days of your early career doing that kind I mean, of so, like yeah i mean that's like just it's just no different from like bootstrapping if you're like a you know starting a startup or like you know running a non-profit with no 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 money you know like it's so basically yeah you're licking it you're licking a thousand envelopes or putting stamps yep. on like thousands of envelopes and stuff like that or like uh, uh uh yeah you're 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 picking up like um 
day old pastries from Safeway for the volunteers, you know, like it's and, and what have what have you, you know, like it's like um yeah, it's like no different. You know, it's just you it's basically bootstrapping to a you know uh um to an nth degree. Yeah. And you know, this idea of like being a participant on the granular granular level, you know, I talk about this a lot with all the other guests. Um because once you get to a certain point in your your work, you you look back and there was a lot of granularity. There's a lot of things that, you know, that logistics of trafficking these prints goes a long way into your future, you know, becoming a producer or becoming anything involved in film because it gives you such a granular understanding of like how these things are being handled on the back end. It gives you a very microscopic view of of the, the way things, and in order to kind of like make anything go really big, you have to have time and service to these sort of activities, right? Yeah, I mean, like a film festival is no long, no different. Like you know, it's like a circus. It's the big, the big tent show. You know, you're kind of like um, tuning your own, you know, basically uh, <laughs> you know, carnival barking, hoping people will come. You know, so yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's like no different from like concerts, concerts or conventions or what have you. You know, like it's like I think I always see a, a film festival is like yeah, definitely. Um, you know how like it's like you know like it's like um, uh, uh, you know I mean I would, I would say a film festival is kind of like a, basically uh, a marathon or two weeks of like many events. You know, so um, so yeah, logistically it's a it's a very very much a challenge. So I'm, I'm, I'm all down for like, you know, like it's like, it's never, people think it's like, oh, you just show the yep. movie, you just show the movie in the theater. It's like, no, it's not only like, it's only, not only that, you know, it's like, it's anything from like point of sale to using, you know, the right software, using the right, you know, like, like having, um, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, it's just like, you know, just having this a really, you know, very, um, I mean, you know, in a way uh, it's, it's like, um, uh, uh, not not what was that? Um, just having just uh, I'm just really a big fan of 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 uh, admire people who can think logistically and kind of come come up with really good systems, you know. Um, uh, in that sense, you know, like it's like uh, you know I love databases. Yeah, it's a talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have to really like it to 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 be good at that kind of. My wife is like that. She's really good at that kind of logistics and organizational thinking. Yeah, I, I, and you know, like, um, and just like basically, and communication, open communication, make sure everyone's on the same page, you know. So, um, yeah. It's, what, it's, what what did your parents think of you in the early days? Um, you know, doing work at the film festival. Did they consider it uh, a career path, or did they even care? Did you come from a family that really gave a shit about that? Uh. Not really, you know, I think, I think if anything, they were always like, you know, like not only, I would say, not seeing like Asian parents, but Asian parents in general, like, oh, you know, doctor, lawyer, kind of yeah. Thing, you know? so, um, yeah, so, I, you know, I think it's like, um, but like, you know, I think it's like, uh, yeah, they were just working class, you know, just, or just hoping that we get <laughs> jobs and be sustainable in that sense, yeah. you know, so, yeah, um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, I mean, but, 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 but my no. parents went to, you know, but then my parents would go to, to the movies too, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, especially in Hawaii, you know, like, it's like, um, 
I mean, growing up in Hawaii, you know, we, we dropped, you know, like local channels, which were be showing like, you know, aside from like, you know, like TGIF Fridays, you know, like, it's like, you know, like uh, Full House or something like that, you know, like yeah. they, they were like, uh, you know, uh, live, live feeds of like the Grand Sumo Tournament in Japan or Korean dramas or, you know, subtitled in English, you know, Japanese dramas were really huge, you know, um, uh, and a lot of them were like, you know, like, that, and that's like everyone would watch it, not only like Japanese or Koreans, you know, like, any, everyone would watch it, you know, it was right. like we were just obsessed with it, you know, I think that's just kind of like how the um, um, Korean dramas are today. Well, yeah, exactly. I think it's like always, you know, in a way, Hawaii's always been the forefront, kind of like a, the test market, so to speak, you know, um, the gateway to anywhere from, you know, Korean dramas, Korean entertainment to, I would say, like, you know, what's that stupid thing? I mean, not stupid, like, like that, uh, not Kendoku or whatever, like the kids play, you know, the, the, it looks like a top, I don't know, I forget. But like, you know, like, even like, um, Tamagotchi was big, you know, like, like, you know, Pokemon, you name it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Pog started from Hawaii, you know, so it was like, um, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yes, Hawaii's a, you know, strange place in the grand scheme of things, but grand scheme of things, so it's, it's great. It's great. So now you're um, graduating from uh, moving canisters around. What's your next uh, position at the... So so my, my, my mentor was basically, you know, like, um, you know, just like um, um, Canadian. Uh, he's a film programmer. He's basically the curator for the festival. And his name is Bruce, Bruce Fletcher. And uh, or, ornery guy, you know, like it's like a uh, um, great guy. He has a lot of vast knowledge of films, you know, like it's like, you know, um uh but uh you know he you know it's like you know he, i would say you know he just kind of um took me under his wing caught me you know, yeah. the ropes and stuff like that and uh and then when he left the organization that I, I took over so as a as the kind of curator for the uh for the festival and, you know never looked back wow wow do you oversee the financial structure or help with money dollars coming in sponsorships and the business side of things again like bootstrapping so you're like doing you know you know like you're wearing many hats but no i mean not primarily my main job is basically just the cur curatorial aspect you know pro you curate or program program the, the, you know. that's so, of course like you know i think there's um you know just you know you have to strike that you know you have to I think you know the thing my 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 kind of philosophy with film festival depending what your festival is made up of of um, your audience's tastes, you know? So you have right. to have like, uh, you know, like it's like, um, you have to cater to their tastes, but at the same time challenge them. That's what, that's what you know, like it's like, we're not a nonprofit. I mean, we are a nonprofit, we're not a for-profit. So in that sense, like, you know, we're an arts organization and as a curator, you want to challenge the audiences, right? But at the same time, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, um, you know, uh, disenfranchise them in the way that, you know, like it's like, oh, you. You should see like these very severe black and white, you know, like uh, this severe black and white Swedish film, you know, like, I mean, you can, but you have to couch it with other things, you know, like anchors, so to speak, too. Uh, and, you know, like, it's like, um, so I think it's, it, you have to strike that balance because, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're caring to you know, audiences who want to see the Korean film with the Japanese films, right. right? But at the same time, you want to cater to the minority in the audience who wants to be challenged too. I mean, basically, basically people who are me, you know, 
yeah. uh, who, you know, like, it's like, yeah. And so it's like, um, yeah. So, and that's kind of like the, um, the benefits of like having, you know, in the sense of uh, nonprofit organization, you know, like, not most of those are because you're not, you're not, you're not there to make profit. You're just there to basically be sustainable, you know, and, uh, um, uh, and make sure not to lose money. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I, so. um, I asked, well, we, we had a, a Winton Bui, uh, he's a chef on um, a few episodes ago. And he asked me a question that uh, kind of like was kind of blew my mind at the time when he asked it. He said, do you think that these high-end chefs are making food to be delicious? And I didn't understand what that meant at the time. So I had to press him on that. And in the same vein or a little bit different, I, I want to ask you, you know, do you pick films sometimes where it has to be quality or, you know, is, is one of the prerequisites for, for accepting films for, from your curating um, seat um, quality? Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, it depends on the- Does it have to be delicious or is it filling some other thing? Well, it depends on the mission statement uh, of the film festival, right? If it's like if my film festival or arts organization is to, you know, foster or, you know, support voices of like, you know, student filmmakers, you know, elementary students, you know, high school filmmakers, then, you know, is it is quality, you know, like it's like, right. you know, like it's like, I mean, of course, like, you know, I think, or, you know, or, you know, like, a, um, so in, in, in that sense, it's like um, you have to strike that balance, you know, like it's like quality is definitely um, um, a big, you know, big factor. But but quality means like, you know, technical quality, you right? I mean, for me, it's more about, you know, how distinct and how strong that voice or perspective of the filmmaker is, right? You could, you know, I mean, there are films that are like, you know, uh, two-handers are just basically set in like one location, maybe an apartment, you know, but it's, you know, it's, you know, the story or the acting is very, very strong. Or like, it's like, you know, maybe it's like a film made by a disenfranchised community and about like a very unique point of view, you know, and that I've never seen. But, you know, technical, technical qualities kind of like not there because they're not there yet, you know, it's like, but uh, there's definitely a, a perspective that needs to be seen or needs to be experienced. Um, um, so in that sense, yeah, it's just like, it, it all, it all depends, you know, and then, um, and then, you know, I think, uh, it depends on like, you know, also themes, uh, maybe sidebars that you're, you know, working on that year, you know, or, um, so, you know, like, it's like, uh, I, you can even say that for like Asian American films, you know, like, it's like, I think, uh, the, when it comes to the whole timeline or history of Asian American cinema, there's always been challenges when it comes to financing, to equipment to you know um expertise you know um but um but the you know i, I mean the message uh of the of the, of the story of the storyteller filmmaker is very distinct you know uh and very you know um so um you can forgive stuff yeah. things like that here and there you know it's just more about the you know kind of how strong of a perspective is for the filmmaker um that comes out at the end right so in terms of like a, a controversial uh, film or some piece that's, you know, highly controversial, what's your take on that? I mean, um, 
where you don't necessarily agree with the maybe political side of it or the religious side of it or whatever angle that you don't agree but feel like it needs to be seen like do you how do you make that is there a decision process that sort of outlines your direction and your mission um you don't necessarily agree with the perspective but you feel like have you ever come across a, a film like that or when you feel like you don't agree yeah. with the line you don't show it i mean <laughs> i mean like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna show uh Dinesh, Dinesh D'Souza films, you know, the, that, that, uh, you know who Dinesh D'Souza is? No. Uh, uh, he's like a very um, um, far right uh, filmmaker who's, you know, he's, he, he, you know, he's, he's done like, you know, kind of like uh, films, you know, like basically um, uh, like on Obama or, or Hillary Clinton, you know, glorifying Donald Trump and stuff like that, um, that are very, um, um, yeah very much have an agenda yeah they have an agenda you know so um so yeah it depends you know there's there the films that have an agenda I mean, all films have an agenda yeah, yeah. Sense, right yeah. so but um um I, I feel like if it's like um yeah there are films that you know maybe i don't necessarily agree with but um um but have i shown yes of course i've, I've done that you know um it's just basically just to spark 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 discussion or discourse in a sense yeah. you know um uh so yeah it it, it i mean honestly i think it's more of a uh, in a sense of like taste and whatnot it's like my, my festival is not necessarily it's like you know a very audience driven festival more community community driven so you know i basically you know i always say i don't necessarily I don't have the luxury of programming films um, that suit my taste, you know? Makes sense, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, so in that sense, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't wanna, I don't obviously don't program films that, you know, I, that I feel um, can bring, to have an agenda that is very, I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, like, yeah, political, a political agenda that is very, um, you know, um, um, that's not necessarily um, good for, like, in the sense of, uh, that have no, no, like, humanitarian goal, right? Right. I mean, you know, there are films that are environmental films, or maybe films about, like, you know, um, sex trafficking or something like that, you know, they are very political, but, you know, they are, you know, they, you know, they have a political point of view, right? Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, they, they, they're message driven, you know, they're expo exposing uh, an injustice, you know, and, you know, like maybe depending on what, what side of the coin you are politically, you see it as an injustice or you see it as not an injustice or you see it as fake news or something, you right. know, it's like, you know, yeah. So it's just like, it, you know, I, I just can only, you know, show films that move me or I feel like, you know, um, in that sense, that's what a curator is, right? You know, like it's like, and um, um, you have the you know kind of um, uh, uh, advantage to kind of uh, you know bring these to to the light, you know, and then uh, to kind of patrons or or what have you to to the public to the to public space. Have you ever had backlash to a film that you brought in, and you know, if so, how did you deal with the backlash? Do you just ignore it, or do you address it? 
yeah, backlash in the sense like it's like that film was horrible. <laughs> like, why did you do that? Film? <laughs> you know, like it's like oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, like it's like uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think now um, recently, you know, I think um, especially with, you know, like especially my, you know, maybe it's not particularly the case for my film festival, but I think for film festivals in general tend to, you know. Um, uh, have a, an older audience, you know, and uh, uh, some, you know, there's some, I would say, you know, even, I, you know, to, to my, not to my shock or anything like that, some some of them are definitely um, far right politically. So, you know, there's some people who think, you know, you, you're showing that some people you have an agenda. It's like, you know, well, well, yes. Well, you know, it's like, I think it's like, it's like, no, it's just a perspective, you know, and yeah. Uh, you know, like it's like you know, oh, oh, you know, like a film about like uh, uh you know, voter voter suppression, uh, and gerrymandering, and you know, like disenfranchising, uh, you know, uh, people of color, you know, and communities. I mean, that's an, if that's a political agenda, then you know, okay, sue me. You know, if that's not, if you feel that that is fake news or that's like you know, uh, uh not not real, then I I I don't know what to say, dude. Right. You know? right. So. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you always, I mean, you there's always, you know, there's always opinions, you know, and I think that's like, uh, you gotta develop, uh, you know, uh, a, a thick skin for that, you know, just, uh, just back it up, you know, just back it up. I mean, you know, I always back about why I chose this film is because of A, B, and C, you know. Yeah. I'm. I want to ask you a question that's a little touchy about the development of artists. Um, you know, you can answer it with, with the gloves off or on, but uh, I, I've always wondered, and and I've always wanted to ask you. You know, when you see young directors or writers or uh, artists uh, in the early days, and you see uh, quality and you see uh, a vision there, distinct fingerprint there, do you, do you? Do you see that early on? Do you go, okay, okay, that that person's gonna go somewhere. And if you do have that, what are what all are the hallmarks of of young artists that eventually arrive to to the place that you think that they're gonna go? Um, are you are you referencing all artists or like filmmakers? in particular? Let's talk about filmmakers per, in particular for now, and then we can, trickle down to general artists? Well, I mean, I can only speak on, you know, filmmakers, really, honestly. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's like, you know, in a sense, like I see, you know, this is 2021, right? I mean, like, like you know, with the, you know, kind of um, advent or introduction of digital technology, you know, 20 years ago, kind of like, the, you know, it democratized the, um, Space. Um, the space, you know, the, you know, as a, you know, I, I think it's basically how you see it. It's like, is, is, is film or cinema, is it an art or a craft? Right. Um, you know, I think uh, if you see it as an art, then, you know, then yeah, definitely it's like, then it's like this thing of voice. It's like a very, very unique voice, unique perspectives in that sense, you know, and, you know, and, and trying to, um, shake up or be disrupted the, the you know the format or the medium or like you know kind of like tropes 
uh, and the foundations of film, right? In that sense, or use embracing him and making him really strong, you know, and telling your story to uh, and say if you're using kind of like, um, you know, the, the you know, classic three act structure, but using it really well, then, you know, then that's great, you know, then that, that, that's going to pour into the into craft, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then craft meaning like, you know, you, you're technically, prof, you know, very uh, proficient in that in that area, you know, you know how to use the, the, the tools at, at hand, you know? And so I think it's like very, um, 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 so I think it's like a, you know, kind of a combo of both, but you know, there are, you know, filmmakers who are artists, true artists who I think, uh, yeah, you just mesmerized by their work, you know, I think, and, and that sense kind of, kind of delves into kind of what an, is an artist is an artist, right? And like, I think, uh, um, but because like, you know, I mean, art, you know, there are, I mean, my, my point is basically for the democratization of, um, uh, of, fil of filmmaking through through technology um, is that okay. um, it's a, you know everyone can be a craft craftsman in filmmaking, but it's like can you be an, can you be an artist in filmmaking? And that's 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 where you have the you know you get to have the goods. I don't know how you you, you have it. Maybe it's innate or whatever, or maybe something sometimes or a lot of it's like something that you do that develop, develop the world experience, you know, um, or life experience. Um, but, um, um, so in that sense, like, yeah, you see a lot of like, I, you know, like, for example, like I see a lot of films from USC or NYU or, you know, UCLA craft is great. You know, it's like technology, you know, cinematography is awesome. You know, like it's like, uh, special effects are incredible. What have you, you know, like lighting is great, but you know, the stories like, eh, you know, mm. uh, so it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about story, you know? I mean, if, if anything, uh, if there's any advice, like, yeah, you, you know, your story has to be profound or at least strong and uh, you have to have good sound. That's the trait, the trait, that's the craft part, you know? Like, it's like, I don't care if you shot it on your, I mean, I, I mean, actually, if you shoot on an iPhone, it's probably look great, but like, you know, like if, you, if you shot on a camcorder or something like that, and like, but, they, but it's like, you know, it, you know, like sound is very, very key. Sound is the most important technical aspect of film, in my opinion. You know, so, uh, so yeah, um, story and sound. Yeah, and you mentioned story. I mean, how do you, how do you come up with good story? How do you, no, no, I'll ask a different question. How do you judge a good story? What's some of your like immediate responses to a question like that? Like, what do you, when you see a good story can you quantify or qualify it through words to me right now? Like, here's what makes a good story. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, like when you, I, you, that's something that you can't quantify, you know, you can't make a list of, you know, you know, like it's like, um, um, you just have to move you, you know, or it, it moves, and it can be a good or bad thing. It can move you to be, you know, uh, into, uh, you know, kind of like, positively or if it moves you negatively then that's still uh, an emotional reaction right so uh just as long as it you know if it, it can if, if, if the filmmaker can do that you know like if, if you're like a gonzo filmmaker or if you're like a filmmaker like gasper noy who like is willing to challenge you or like you know like um harmony corinne you know like it's like yeah the reaction like you not may not have a, a good reaction yeah, yeah. Or, or like you know but it's like uh 
yeah, you know, but it did, it was he successful in moving you? Like, yeah, yes, in that way, you know? So, um, uh, I mean, it just depends, you know, like, I mean, you know, one of the films, here, here's a good example. One, 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 um, uh, you know, there's a film called, uh, it came out a few years ago called uh, In the Family, right? Um, in the family is uh, basically an LGBT, LGBTQ story, you know, um, uh, written and directed by a filmmaker named Patrick Wong, who I think is, I, I believe he's East Coast or New York based. And, uh, uh, you know, it's set, set in, I think it's set in Tennessee or in the South, you know, and it's like a uh, story about, he, and he plays the main character. You know, he's the, he's, he acts, he's the star of the film. And he plays like a, Asian American, uh, you know, who's uh, uh, married to, you know, he's a he's a gay marriage with a, you know, a, a, a Caucasian teacher, and they have a, a Caucasian teacher has a had a has a son from a previous marriage, and when he, and he came out of closet, fell in love with Patrick's character, and they they both you know have this idyllic life, you know, in the South, and then uh, you know, unfortunately, he you know the the, the teacher dies, right, so. Um, um, the family wants to, so you know, I mean, Patrick, you know, Patrick's character, who's not a blood relation to his son, but he's raised him. Um, um, he's basically trying to fight his, you know, for his rights to adopt him, you know, while right. the family is trying to, um, you know, take him, basically take him away from, from Patrick, you know, and, uh, and, you know, this is like, a, you know, has all the, uh, has all, you know, writings on the wall when I saw that, you know, when, when the film was entered, you know, that was like, Oh, first of all, it's a three-hour film. <laughs> you know, uh, the the the, uh, the the writer director also is the main star, and it's like oh, red flag. You know, like it's like <laughs> you know, like and, and even more so, the the film is three hours, and it only has like sixty shots, static shots. You know, so it's like okay, very few edits. You know, and like and it's like oh, right on the wall, it's gonna be terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's like. This is like you know, uh, uh, art score, film school bullshit, right? And like, uh, you know, like it's, but in the end, like it's like the film is like, it was one of the best films I saw that year. Wow, you know, it was I think it was the best film I saw that year. It was so moving and it's so traditional in a sense. Like it was like in the, I would say almost like in the you know, like it was like you know like. It kind of unspooled like you know like a, a to kill a mockingbird like harper lee or something like that you know or or um you think you know or like even like a um um a frank capra you know in a way you know and, and he, he was amazing you know like as an actor he was amazing and this, the, the ring was amazing and like and like you know in a sense like it's like nothing revolutionary it's right. basically you know, if you see this on paper, like you know, when we had TV guides, you know, like you know, when you know, you know this, the mini snouts were TV guide, like oh man, this sounds like a lifetime movie, right? You know? Right. Uh, yeah, it just moved me. It blew me away, and I was just like so transfixed that, um, yeah, I just loved it. Um, oh, you froze there first. Did you? Yeah. Did you hear what I said? Okay. Yeah, if from, um, from I don't know why. Okay, but yeah, it was just so that, that that was like you know a film that was like so out of the box, but at the same time so in the box that it kind of 
this had only had 60 static, static shots, very few cuts like that, but it was such a done in such a classical way of storytelling, you know, uh, that is, and, you know, in the, in the, um, um, that I, you know, kind of, you know, um, that was completely moved. And it's kind of like strike that, it strikes that right balance, you know, like when you think of classical, you think, you know, like Harper Lee or, or Frank Capra, that's classical, that's yeah. as classical as you can get, you know, so. Um, um, so so, so what, I'm, amazing. what I'm hearing basically is it just needs to move you. Yeah, it just needs to move you. It just yeah. needs to move you. And, yeah, or, you know, I mean, in a good or bad place, you yeah. know, like it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it depends on the on context too, you know, if, if you're looking at a, <laughs> like an exploitation film or like, a, you know, like a film like Cannibal Holocaust, you know, which is, a, yeah, that would definitely move you. <laughs> like it, make, it might make you write riots or something like that, like or write letters to your like senator, like I'm, I'm like enraged or something like that, but this, this film's come out, you know, like, but it's like, you know, that's the, that's the context, you know, that's the, that's the genre. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're a fan of the genre, then yeah. You know, when did you um, sort of start dipping your toes into producing? Uh, basically, you know, um, just helping friends out. You know, um, in what capacity? Um, you know, just you know, just with contacts. You know, just more in the sense of like, oh, you know, I can introduce you to this person who I know, or that's how I'll started or like maybe um you know um introducing to the other festival programmers or sales agents you name it you know so um but it was like again this is you know kind of really and this is really kind of like brought me back into kind of like Vietnamese culture in the sense of you know I mean all my friends were you know uh, a lot of my good friends were Vietnamese American filmmakers or Vietnamese filmmakers um who were making films and you know as you know like a lot of um, they weren't, um, you know, with a lot of Vietnamese American filmmakers who were raised in Orange County or Southern California, you know, they all, in close proximity to Hollywood, they all went to film school, but, you know, in the 90s and early aughts, you know, there were very little um, uh, opportunities, you know, for filmmakers uh, in the system, so to speak. So, right. you know, a lot of them went back to Vietnam, you know, to, um, it was just like the Wild West there, um, burgeoning industry, you know, rising middle class, you know, like it's like, to be to be to have the opportunity to 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 enter the you know, Vietnamese film uh, entertainment industry from the ground up, you know, um, um, was a was a great advantage. You know? So and, you know it's kind of like, like you know like uh, the opportunity to like um, to make it make things happen. You know, um, I go back to like you know Stefan Dalger, you know, our good friend. You know, he was like he went back to Vietnam. You know, and uh, um, and made like, you know, this little art house movie, you know, um, um, all in the barrel, you know, and I was really blown away by it and, uh, and blown away by like, you know, the buoys, you know, with, um, um, three seasons or Ham Tran with Journey from the Fall, you know, and, um, um, Magnin with Buffalo Boy, you know, and like, um, uh, yeah, so it was just like, um, um, that's how this also started with start through friendships like oh well i can i can help you out you know it's a favor yeah. it's like very much very much in the you know very much like how independent film is you know like it's like it's all through favors and relationships what, what have you so and i kind of like kind of dug it you know kind of you know like um uh so that's how we kind of like collaborate together to work on stuff on the next film, like on electric 
Yeah. Talk about a movie that moves you is Alan Sparrow, right? I mean, technically, uh, craftsmanship. I mean, we can put all that conversation on hold for a bit. Uh, the the storyline of that film, whatever Stefan did, the magic of that movie, I think moves so many people. Um, you can't put that into a formula, what he did with Alan Sparrow. Right. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you can't. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, or I mean, like, you know, Stefan, you know, Stefan and I, you know, kind of bonded on our love for independent film. And, uh, you know, I just like, you know, he was like, you know, like he, <laughs> he was the jack of all trades. And he was you know, not only behind the camera, but in front of the camera, too. But our love for like international cinema, European cinema, especially like, um, you know, I mean, all this battle was made for next to nothing. And, uh, you know, he shot it in a very kind of Dogma 95 style, right? Yeah. But um, let me tell you, uh, you know, this story's like nothing new, you know, but, uh, um, but it, you know, he did it so well. And uh, again, he captured the essence and the sounds of Saigon, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, like it was like dirty. I mean, I love the dirty sound in that film, you know? Yeah. Just capturing the the the, the ambiance is like the craziness of motorbike thousands of motor motorbikes just run on the road twenty four seven you know like street vendors like hawking their you know like um you or like you know like like and whatnot you know like it's like uh just constant conversations they hear like that he captured that he captured that so well that it was like almost like um yeah it was like very much like just being in some in Saigon. alleyway in Saigon, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, so um, uh, in, th in that sense, like, you know, he, he really kind of, you know, used the, you know, kind of the, the medium to his advantage and, uh, and using that sound, the dirty sound to really kind of, um, uh, the constant honking and the constant like motorbikes running, you know, that, that was like, uh, as almost like white noise, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was great. That's what, that's what gave the film lended its ambiance and uh, authenticity in a way. When was the first time you went back to Vietnam? What was it like? Uh, I went back to Vietnam uh, probably in 2001, 2002. I went there as a, as a festival, of the, as a representative of the film festival, actually, you know, got invited to, um, to check out, like, you know, um, update, you know, like on the, the current state of, filmmakers there you know so I, I also got invited to Hanoi to meet with the you know the film board a, aka censors you know and uh, go to the film archive and you know um, and it was like two different worlds you know like Hanoi and, and Saigon you know yeah. like Saigon was kind of freewheeling you know like all these you know, filmmakers doing stuff and like uh, you go to Hanoi and, you know Button it's up. very much you know, obviously you know buttoned up but in a <laughs> like loose kind of like uh, uh, and it's like, you know, kind of government way, you know, like, like, you know, during people were government workers, you know, the party, of course, you know, the, right. you know, but, you know, like, it's like, uh, you know, um, yeah, they had a very lax schedule to speak, you know, like, it's like, um, yeah, like, um, uh, you know, they're very set hours, you know, with the film board and, you know, and, and it was interesting. I mean, very nice people, you know, like, it's like, uh, um, and going to, um, uh, and he introduced him a meeting with like, you know, like different uh, officials that were like, um, you know, like um, 
they were like you know, of the party and so they would like you know they be like educated they went to school in like moscow right or right. or 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 havana i mean you know my 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 kind of contact was um he was he went to he was like the one of one maybe perhaps the first Vietnamese or maybe not not the only Vietnamese but definitely one of the few Vietnamese who were went to Cuba for education you know so it was like yeah it was like it was interesting you know and uh, um, it was like a different world that I and you know that I I actually like was like fully very fascinated by you know uh, I remember going to the film archive and like they locked me up in a, a screening room and they gave me all these films and like. And like I couldn't, because I couldn't bring them back. I couldn't bring back VHS tape at the time or DVDs back to you know there was it had to be there only you know, um, and they basically locked me there for like ten hours to watch all these films, and you know of course they were all like all propaganda films, yeah documentaries on like you know like it's like you know uh, on this Hmong community or something you know like it's like how you know basically aka you know how we treat our you know our you know our you know, like. How we treat them so well, you know, like it's like you know culturally and all that stuff, or like you know, yeah, you know, so um, or like a you know a street market, you know, like street market, or like you know some um, um, conservationist or something, you know, like like a lot of a lot of documentaries on birds, you know, like it's like, <laughs> you know, like it's like, but it's like you know, it's like it is what it is. I I enjoyed it. I go uh, you know like uh, on a, you know, um. Uh, ethnographic, you know, and, and, you know, social political kind of like context. It was very fascinating. What about the uh, the environment? Like when you got off the plane, that first uh, feeling of you know, walk because back in the day we were walking on the tarmac to get into the terminal. Um, yeah. What were your early sensory sort of um, feelings stepping out of that plane for the first time in Vietnam? Uh, sorry, sorry about the pounding. No worries. You still here? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm sheltering in Hawaii with my uh, my mom's apartment. She's cooking. Uh, today's the gazo uh, for my my grandfather, so she's preparing stuff. So, um, but uh, anyway, um, D dirty noise ambiance. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like Saigon. Uh, Adding yeah. to the uh, to the episode. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't edit these uh, these episodes. That's fine. We just go. We just go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, like, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you know, to all the beginner, you know, the beginners, you know, the, the bullshit beginner stuff that you go through, like, like, yeah. too scared to cross the street, you know, and, you know, and, and stuff like that, like, you know, or like the street, like, you know, it was the food safe to eat, you know, and like, you know, like, it's like, you know, it was like I mean, I'm from from Hawaii. It's like you know, it's humid in Hawaii, but man, it's humid in Vietnam. Yeah. Humid in Asia in general, right? It's crazy. But uh, you know, it's just like it was, a, yeah, very, very much a sensory overload. You know, uh, but I loved it. It was crazy. It was in, in in a good way. You know, like it's like people just living their lives, making it happen. You know, like it's like all the you know kind of like <laughs> things you learn or that have been told to you. By your elders, you know, like it's like you know, um, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of it's it's you know, it's, it's true, but at the same time, just you know, just everyday people living their lives, you know, and uh, um, making it happen. You know, it's the true Vietnamese spirit of like you know, just bootstrapping. Again, I use that word constantly, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah. So it's like um, 
what were the theaters like? Well, I mean, I mean, when I went there in 2001, 2002, um, I mean, there were, there were multiplexes, you know, already, I mean, the beginning of multiplexes, but like, you know, I think, um, but like a lot of the theaters were basically, and then this is basically prior to the privatization of the film industry. So they were, it was still state run, you know, like, mm. um, so it was very much like, you know, the theaters were basically, oh, well, the one theaters I went to were cultural centers, right? So um you know basically you know um uh, run by the government you know and uh and i was more fascinated with the um the you know the um the 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 theater the booth you know going upstairs yeah. to the booth you know seeing the uh, seeing the uh projectors projection booth seeing the, the old projectors because they were like uh like these old like solid like stainless steel um 35 million projectors from like from like the soviet union wow. you know you see like on russian like you know like kind of like stamped russian you know like the seals or whatever on the and like you know made in the, in the 50s and stuff like that it was like i was like whoa this is so cool you know yeah um yeah i mean you go to the culture centers you see you know again like a lot of the like very kind of propaganda posters you see that you would see like in like the Soviet Union or, yeah. or China, like happy, like a, a happy, happy, pa- happy patriots, happy workers, you know, like it's like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's no, you know, no different. It's very cool, you know, in, in that sense. And then the uh, theaters today are just like more modern than the U.S. Oh yeah, I mean theaters today, like yeah, you know, I mean they're like yeah, they're definitely more modern. Um, um, yeah, they're just uh, you know, I mean they were state of the art. <laughs> You know, state of the art. Uh, you know, because a lot of it was from was from Korea. You know, Korean you know, Korean entertainment has taken over. Like CJ, CGV, Lotte. Those are big, big chables, right? The big entertainment chables that are, have now um, kind of penetrated Vietnam. Can, can I ask like you about number that? One and two theater chains. Yeah. What, why do you think? All right, it's a two part question. Why do you think um, Vietnam was uh, you know overtaken by uh, Korean entertainment? And second part of that is what, what is our sort of- You, you make it sound like it's added to the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the story of Vietnam being, being, being occupied. By... <laughs> in the, in the, it, years ago, it, it really- It, it, it is, it, 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 but it is, it is, you know, like definitely economically. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. come on. I mean, this is something that is like, you know, we're consumed by K-pop. We're consumed by Korean drama. You know, I mean, it's 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 almost more painful than you know this idea of being dominated by another country because we're that soft power is really taken over in Vietnam. You know, what led to that? But that's like all of the world, Ken. I mean, you're looking at. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at like you know. I mean, you're looking at Japan. You're looking at. Uh, you know, like it's like, I mean, you think in Asia, you know, like K- K-pop has been around for a very, very long time, and uh, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, and, but you look at all the world, you're looking at like how K-pop fans have taken over using social media on, on like TikTok and like have like you know taken over like um, hashtags, like far right wing hashtags and yeah, what have you to kind of like troll them, you know, and uh, you're looking at. BTS, the, you know, that all all roads lead to BTS and Blackpink. You know, they're, they're you know they're the biggest 
biggest pop groups in the world. So, I mean, Vietnam is no different. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just basically, you know, smart, smart, um, uh, 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 private and public uh, uh, legislation and partnerships in, in Korea to make the soft power, to make the Hallyu, the, the Hallyu or the Korean wave, you know, like it's like literally the tsunami of like Korean entertainment through K-pop and K-dramas. But it's kind of like, it was embedded in, in, in Southeast Asia and Asia and now it's all over the world. It is a virus. It start? In a way. How did uh, the Korean wave begin? Was there a person, was there a would you call it chebo? Yeah, chebos are basically um, not not they're yeah they're big multinationals now or like basic big companies family dynasties right. usually by a family uh, and then they are in various industries like you know food, entertainment, uh, um, you know construction, you name it. You know it's like it has a CJ, CJ label or something. It's, you know manufacturing TVs, you know electronics. That's what a chable is, right? Airlines, so, you know, you name it. So. Did it start, this whole Korean wave, did it start with an individual? Did it start with, uh, I mean, you get things to the legislative levels of government. It had to start from something, from somewhere. What was the origination of all of this? I, I, you know, like, it's like, you know, there's many things. Now, you know, I don't know why, you know, but... Um, I don't want to go into the you know the whole history of like the Korean yeah. way, but it's like and I, I, mean, I asked basically because I it's, want... it's like, yeah basically it's it's like you know I mean it's um, you know part of it is in a sense like um, yeah there are like you know um, pioneers uh, basically Korean Americans who came back just like Vietnamese Americans came back uh, you know like um, came back to Korea to kind of like introduce hip-hop for example you know uh uh you know there are hip-hop groups you know like uh, or or rock music was brought in uh and kind of like um they, they were you know they, these are always deemed as like western styles of music or like you know but they were able these you know, these are koreans who you know who spoke nominal korean you know uh, uh english was their first language but they you know they they they, they hustled it was all about the hustle mm -hmm. and it captured that you know it captured that generation you know like it, it, it's all about timing it was basically a time where um and in korea like especially in the 90s uh, early 90s where there was a lot of corruption becoming becoming more democratic uh and then like you know there were a lot of scandals a lot of like um uh tragedies that happened like you know because of the, all the corruption you know and you know there was like um and it was like again um but also like being economically a rising middle class, you know, um, in the entry point of introducing a lot of like foreign investment into Korea, you know, uh, as the next tiger. Um, um, it's no different from what Vietnam was now. And in, in, in a sense that I think, that, but the key uh, is uh, with these K-dramas and K-pop, I think what, what, what was working for them was that they weren't protective of their ip in the sense how japan is because japan was like light years ahead with j-pop and japanese dramas yep. and stuff like that but they were very or even anime or manga you know they were there's a huge ip but they were very insular and protective of uh they had to keep it in japan or or they you know if there was any interest outside from the u.s or something like that to bring it over carry it over they were just asking for astronomical amount, uh, amounts of money, you know, like it's like, 
Korea was just like, you know, through kind of like the Korean diaspora communities through like, you know, radio stations or like, you know, like, you know, basically in language TV stations or like, you know, Korean grocery stores or VHS rental stores. They didn't care. It was the, you know, like the, the, you know, when it came to, uh, I mean, part of it was, yes, piracy, you know, was running rampant. But, you know, when it comes to, they were, but they were selling their dramas to, you know, kind of uh, in language Korean radio, Korean TV stations in the US and around the world and for, and kind of it took off, you know, DVDs, you know, DVD, and with DVDs, uh, um, it, it, it took off with DVDs and people sharing it and whatnot, you know, and, and when it came to streaming, you know, it's like watching it on the internet, you know, like it's like Vicky was an early adopter of, of, of Asian dramas, you know, and what have you, and, you know, and led to Netflix, you know, and, uh, and so I think Korea had a head start in, in bringing this Korean wave. That, that, that was a whole mission statement is to bring pop port over Korean entertainment soft power to the world to promote yeah. Korea, you know, to promote tourism, promote Korean, Korean products, you know. So you have it all helped with Hyundai and Kia and Samsung and, you know, uh, you name it, you know. So it all work hand in hand. And I think that was in a way culturally a mistake on Japan's end to keep it so insular. Uh, because, you know, honestly, Japan was like light years ahead of Korea. Right, right. But like, a, and, and in, that, in that sense, like Korea using that kind of like soft power, sure. you know, they were able to, you know, like, they're like, oh yeah, I mean, the, the next logical step is to kind of like take advantage of other markets. And you, and you well, how do you do that? You go into other burgeoning, economies like Vietnam or Turkey or Indonesia, you know, like it's like, you know, CJ's established like, um, like offices, uh, uh, like in, in these, in those countries, you know, um, ready to build. And then, you know, they, they exploit their kind of a growing library of entertainment, you know, like of films to make remakes, you know, local, you know, local remakes. You Brilliant. Know, so. Yeah. 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 So in that sense, um, yeah, man, it's, it's like, a. It's uh, it's 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 that sense of not being so precious of your IP, yeah. you know, um, and then like um, getting it out there because like you know like I think um, it's all it's all it's all cultural. It's all cultural. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even working with Japan now, um, you know, is is very. It could be very hard sometimes to get IPs brought or over to the, you know, like in the toy side with my brother, you know, working with Japan a little bit, it's, it's very, um, it's tight. It's a very difficult process sometimes to kind of pick up IP that, you know, that he wants to produce and look into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how are we looking on, you know, progress in Vietnam? Um, do you think that we are on our way? Are we on our way? What can we do to ignite the um, the direction of 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 getting our media, our our content out? Well, I mean, I, I just want to be clear: is like you know, like it's like I'm not I'm not speaking on behalf of, as as an outsider. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm a Vietnamese. I'm not a Vietnamese citizen. I know it's important raising Vietnam. Um, so I just can your opinion on that. Yeah, yeah. but um, uh, but. When it comes to uh, Vietnam, Vietnam, uh, and the uh, ex cultural exports of Vietnam, when it comes to film, <clears throat> um, you know, I think it's like um, 
uh, a lot of it is um, <coughs> there are a lot of like um, comparisons, you know, like it's like a precedent uh, from other countries and like, you know, from neighbors like, you know, from like South Korea and Japan, you know, like it's like, um, they, you know, they, you know they, they also had their own censorship issues, you know, um, and uh, it was basically filmmakers who were clever enough to kind of dig in, put in their messaging by being into, you know, kind of being, finding loopholes creatively to, uh, to those films and like, um, or, 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 and a lot of them was rooted in exploitation films, genre movies, you know, um, Yakuza movies or like, you know, like, or, 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 or like um, um, Chanbara films like in Japan or they basically kind of low budget, bloody sword, Sword and Samurai movies, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you know, like uh, revenge movies, you know, like it's like every every country goes to like Taiwan, the Taiwan black movies, for example. There was an era where a lot of films were censored or completely banned. You know, they were called black movies because they, you know they were like uh, dealt into you know, kind of black, you know, exploitation themes. You know, exploitation usually, you know, of um, uh, you know, like it's like you know, it's of its time, but you see a lot of uh, woman revenge movies. You know, like you know, a woman who is like raped or something like that. You know, she's like traumatized, and she becomes she she so she wreaks um um she basically just it's basically kill Bill. You know, yeah, she she's kind of like tra- yeah. wreaks havoc on the on her attackers. You know, so uh, it's like you know, like it's a vigilante justice or you know, like victim justice in that sense. You know, it's like um. Um, but, you know, they all started something no, no different from like in America, you know, like, like, like Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola, I mean, they, they're deemed like the greatest American filmmakers, but they all started somewhere. They all started in Roger Corbin movies, you know, these low-grade B movies, you know. Um, so in that sense, I think, um, uh, so what I'm saying is that, you know, th- that type of, those type of movies have to be, there's got to be a space for that as a testing ground for ideas and also um, to kind of incite, you know, uh, to, again, move people uh, in, in different type of, you know, emotional reactions, you know, and uh, so it's like, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, I mean, you look at like, you know, filmmakers like Bong Joon-ho or Park Chan-wook, you know, their, 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 their stuff is very rooted in genre, you know, yeah. um, and uh, that's no different, you know, and, um, but also in the sense, like, you know, there's, you know, so that's one thing, you know, historically, when you look at, but you're looking at progressively, <laughs> you got to have gender parity and, uh, you know, you have to have, there, have to, there has to be more um, 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 opportunities for uh, non-male filmmakers, you know, not only, I'm not talking only about uh, um, uh, women, Filmmakers, storytellers, what have you, but also you know non-binary, you name yeah. it. Um, it's uh, yeah. So the, and and then, you know Vietnam is such a unique, strange place is because you know it is a you know communist socialist uh, country. At the same time, it's like there's a lot of and like you know there's like um, um, you know freedom of the press and freedom of speech is very you know constrained there. You know. Uh, activism is very constrained, but at the same time, there are, like I would say, 
other sides that deals with like LGBTQ issues much or like, like it's much more open and pro yeah. progressive, you know, not transgressive, but progressive, you know. So, uh, so in that sense, like, yeah, we've got to, you know, um, um, look at, uh, there's got to be more opportunities for that. And then by, by doing that, meaning that there's got to be a, a space for art house, art house films. And, you know, when you look at Vietnamese commercial Vietnamese cinema, it's all very much, um, no different from any other country. Like, you know, what makes money? You know, yep. this is like it's got to be comedies. It's got to be blah blah blah. It's got to be movies that are made for for Lunar New Year, right? Like for debt, you know, what have you? You know, like it's like, uh, you know, no, it's you know, there's it's got to be space for, um, for art house, you know. And I think again, going back to Korea, one of the advantages, uh, uh, when it comes to the public-private partnership, uh, when it comes to the Korean wave, how you domestically in Korea is like um, the theater chains, uh, you know, um, uh, and the crews, you know, the union, you're unionized and what have you. You know, there was government policy to come up with a, uh, a quota system when it comes to what is what is shown theatrically in the theaters, right? Uh, and so it was basically um, domestic films, Korean films. There was a, a the blackout, blackout periods or like basically a percentage of how many films had to be seen. There were there were had to be distributed. That were made by Koreans versus, and there were like blackout periods or like you know like uh, I mean or of, of other of Hollywood movies for example or foreign films you know, and that kind of like you know again for Korean audiences they're like you know they they there was also a time where like oh I'm not gonna see a Korean film it's just crappy you know, can't compare it to like you know, I mean back then you know like yeah. Batman or something like that you know like it's like. But it just allowed filmmakers to kind of like work on, work their, on craft, their craft, you know? And, uh, you know, yeah. And so, like, you know, shitty films were produced, shitty films were made, but some peaked out and came up, they became good. Yeah. I think better and better films came out. And, and that, you know, kind of gained traction locally. It gained traction in the film festival world, you know, by tastemakers. Uh, you know, that's why you have the old boys. That's why you have like, you know, um, you know the host, and you know that's you know that's the trajectory of like filmmakers like Park Chan Wook and Bong Joon Ho. You know, they you know they you know that that's how they. they, they I mean, honestly, you know they're they're brilliant filmmakers, but you know they, I don't think they would have had their head start right, right. if it wasn't for these government help. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like, and, I, and I've always argued that think you know in a way that's what Vietnam and what government. You know the government's in your face all the time, right? Like it's like you know if you want to promote Vietnam culturally, you got to do stuff like that. You know, like it's like um, versus not being, uh, you know, <laughs> in a way it's like you know this very kind of unfettered free market, mark free like, free market. You know that when it comes to um, a lot of like uh, aspects of the uh, of the of various industries in Vietnam. So, yeah, there uh, has to be some government intervention on um, capping out international films, or international product being brought into the to foster our to foster our own film community in Vietnam. No, I mean that. that I mean that. That I mean, and, you know, the 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 time has, you know, the circumstances have changed, and like I don't think that that's viable. That's not viable anymore. Oh, really? Why? Um, because you have like. Um, Marvel movies now, you know, like it's like, or Fast and Furious movies, you know, you just can't, you can't, you just, 
can't. The money's too that. good. Yeah. The money's too good. You know, you can't. You can't. You, you, I mean, are you like as a distributor, as an yeah. exhibitor, like, oh yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't show the next Avengers movies because at this time because it's going to be um because it's the blackout period. It has to yeah. be only Vietnamese films. Like that, that's impossible. You know, like it's like that's not the case anymore. Um, when it comes to globalization of the film industry, right? But what I, so it's got to be more in a sense of uh, incentivizing it where, you know, theater chains or exhibitors have to at least carve out a space for these for domestic films or allow them not, not to be, not to be just um, driven by just free market, you know, like it's like, oh, it just didn't do well, you know, numbers wise opening weekend. So it's going to, it's out, you know, like it's like, then that's where you know the government can come in. Okay, well, we're gonna we're going to um, give you initiatives of like you know like stipends or like you know like it's like okay, well we're you know rent out this you know one or two theaters for these local films, you know, and then it's like you know allow that to to to, to, to at least like have the exhibitors kind of like make money you know, or like not lose money in that sense, you know. Um, so it's it's got to be in a scheme like in that way, you know. So yeah. is there a government body in Vietnam right now? mandating these ideas or spearheading this direction no no not that i know and there are like i did go to um one uh, the, the, there is a, like a uh not a collective but not a what do you call it? like a not a cabal it's a wrong word but there is like a you know a, a, a federation so to speak you know of like um that is trying to do that, you know, but it's not, there's no real government support, you know, in that sense, you know, I think it's like, um, but it's a start, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's a start for sure. But I mean, you know, I think, it, you know, but a lot of it needs to be honestly, man. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like, there's gotta be, um, when, it, when it comes to, um, protections on workers, you know, and artists and stuff like that. I mean, there's got, I mean, there are unions in Vietnam, but I think there's, you know, the film industry has to be more, there's gotta be, uh, there's gotta be some aspect of, 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 of union unions being established. So they become, so they have like skin, skin in the game, skin yeah, in the game, you know, they have demands, you know, and like, um, and like it wasn't easy with the, in the Koreans, you know, like that Koreans have a long history, a very storied history of, of protest. You know, like in like you know, like a lot of filmmakers usually protested stuff, you know, like over the years to make to meet those the, the, those demands. You know, like when the quota the quota was lifted, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, because Korea uh, and the U.S. kind of like had you know, the, you know, like, um, uh, free trade agreement. You know, like it's like you know, it's like you know, um, you know, so that you know, it, it affected the film industry greatly. Uh, in the sense that the quota quota was lifted, you know, and that that freaked out producers and yeah. and filmmakers. Like, oh shit, you know, what are we going to do? Like, you know, they, they, they had no trust in the audience. The audience was going to, oh yeah, you know, that that meant, that meant, or even the exhibitors, like, oh yeah, we, we can finally not show these crap Korean movies. We're going to show, we're just going to show the next blockbuster and next Korean, oh, you know, like, but no, it just didn't, you know. And so the, you know, the market kind of like the market was mature enough. Or yeah, not, stand alone. The, the 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 um the 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 product was mature enough, uh, in the sense that it 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 it, it, it performed well enough in the market that you know there was a slight drop, 
but then after that it's like you know you're looking at korean films and in american films or foreign films neck and neck and now even many times surpassing yeah. uh korean films surpassing it you know so it's like yeah like, you have to have that you gotta have those protections to allow um the audience um to uh and also filmmakers to kind of like um matriculate you know basically evolve you know uh, in their taste and also in the filmmakers to evolve in their craftsmanship you know um so can we talk about your work with a company called east films oh yeah sure i mean the company that you're into <laughs> yes the company that i'm in and bao yeah. and hamtran and lin uh, fontenay um mm -hmm. It's an important part of our, all of our partners to, to grow the film industry in Vietnam. Um, can you tell me about the history of it? Well, I mean, like the, you know, like I mean, just to just to, yes, to 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 grow the film industry in Vietnam, but that's just one aspect. That's just one yeah. leg of the overall, if east of the table, you know, like that's just one leg, right? So, uh, I think there's more of a proliferation. Uh, basically, of, of um, you know, the rise of streamers and also you know the rise of international films. You were inspired by Parasite. You were inspired by, so it's like, you know also like Southeast Asia. You know Southeast Asia when it comes to all the ASEAN countries as a collective is you know very powerful group globally. You know and then and just from my work I, I see a lot of not only Vietnamese filmmakers but also Filipino, Lao. Singaporean, you name it, you know, filmmakers who are very, you know, gifted, you know. Um, so, you know, it's just like, you know, and then like as um, as ASEAN becomes more, A-S-E-A-N, you know, becomes more um, organized uh, culturally, politically, and economically, I think that's like for East, that's like something that we can definitely um, um, build on as a foundation for what we want to do as well, you know. Um, so, yeah, we see opportunities in, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and also for Vietnam, it's just like, you know, theatrically, it's still a burgeoning market, you know, in the theatrical space. So, yeah, we definitely want to, you know, um, use that uh, to our advantage as well. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that we face um, for the future? Uh, COVID, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, a pandemic, you know, uh, you know um, different time zones. We're not in the same location, you know, everything's on Zoom um but um uh yeah i mean uh, that that's you know like um cultural cultural differences tastes you know um you know like it's like uh we don't i mean i personally don't want to be like uh you know the ugly american because like this is how you should do it you know that's not how shifting we are guests you know we just want to support and then for me it's just like i i just see it's more of a not as a Vietnamese American, but more as a Vietnamese, you know, and then I, for one, you know, definitely no matter what, you know, I think in the end of the day, when we start a business, you want to, you want to make money and be sustainable. Right. But yeah, I, I'm really in it for the artistic merit and artistic endeavors to really kind of like find and provide opportunities for, you know, uh, filmmakers of Vietnamese descent to kind of get that notice. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it is a, it is a, there is a game that you have to play when it comes to getting, you know, tastemakers involved and, you know, getting, you know, um, going, going, getting it seen by the right people, you know, getting, you know, um, um, but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's like one of my, my kind of like goals is to 
kind of foster kind of uh, um, artistic, independently minded uh, filmmakers from Vietnam and from the diaspora. Yeah, you, you made an interesting statement that I, I just have to drill into a little bit here. You said, we are guests. What do you mean by that? Oh, uh, I guess in the sense like of like, cause I'm not from Vietnam or not from Southeast Asia, you know, but I'm big fans culturally and also um, uh, of, of, you know, of, you know, of work from these, from these countries, you know, and, and then, and yeah, you know, I'm from Vietnam, Vietnam, I have an affinity Vietnam because I'm Vietnamese, right? But, you know, but it's in the sense like, you know, you know, like, it's like, we're guests in the sense like, you know, we have to, I mean, that's why uh, um, providing the support for, for Vietnamese filmmakers in Vietnam, you know, especially when it comes to um, sustainable films in the market, in the marketplace, in the domestic market. And uh, I think it's like something that um, um, we can, um, uh, but but yeah, at the same time we can we can we can lend and su lend support and provide input, uh, but you know we have to listen to how things are done on the ground as well, you know, um, and uh, yeah, I mean like it's like again like my cultural cultural tastes are very different from like. The, you know, like, I mean, at the same time, you know, like there are like, you know, like I, I love comic book sci-fi fans and there are lots of them in Vietnam, you know, and, and they're like a lot of my dearest friends too, you know, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think, I think at the same time, you know, like it's no different from say, like, you know, like it's like um, uh, rom-coms, you know, I'm not necessarily a big rom-com guy, but I see on a market level, like, you know, like why they're popular. And why they, you know, appeal to a certain audience, you know. So, uh, but I'm a guest in that sphere, you know, because yeah. I feel like I, I understand that. And then, you know, like, so, like, as a as a producer and executive, you know, I can see those genres and I can see, okay, how do we get that um, up and running? Because rom coms are very popular in Vietnam, obviously. Yeah. But um, but you know, like, but like, I, I would rather work with a local than like, you know, than like a you know someone who comes in like, oh yeah, you know, like I, I'm a huge fan of You Pray Love or Pretty Women, or like, you know, or um, my best friend's wedding. I don't know why I wrote off three Julia Roberts movies, but <laughs> but but regardless, like it's like uh, you know, like it's like yeah, but like you know, I think the cultural nuances are definitely you know, you know, and like the localization of it. It's like I can't, you know, like I I don't know, you know, that's why I think. But like you know, I think it's like, but for a for like a local filmmaker, that's that's their world, you know. So I just want to provide the support to realize the vision of that that filmmaker that's what each should do and that's what we're trying to do i um i really love that distinction that that we're guests and the i really appreciate that because uh you don't often hear that sort of self-awareness from um people of vietnamese um you know going back to to the motherland and we we have to understand that we are guests that's very um it's a very true distinction. Um, as much as we want to be part of the landscape and as much as we, you know, really yearn to be authentic and, but we are guests and we cannot, um, many times we cannot impose what we think is, you know, Vietnamese because it's just not the case. And there's so many nuances to Vietnam. I mean, most of us don't speak the language proficiently at the at the point where we can really penetrate the thinking you know and that's a big challenge to me 
um, right? It's it's a difficult absolutely, uh, absolutely. But like you know, also, also you know, like I mean, like you know, like <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's we're shooting the shit, right? Like we actually have a, a track record shooting the shit, right? Like uh, amongst our easters and stuff like that, and like. Hey man, you know, like opinions from like, for example, from Fancy Nay, from Lynn are very different from my opinions. Like, it's like, yeah. what? I mean, we go to these debates, you know, and like all that stuff. It's like, it's like, but night I was like, you know, like, night, it's night and day, man. Like, it's like, uh, but it's like, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely different. And I come from, a, again, an American, not only Western, but a very American. Also, I would say, even like, a Hawaii perspective, which is very yeah, different from very say, different. From say you know, my cousin who is, or even from who is from this from the Midwest, you know, the, there are like different um, levels of that. You know, one thing that I wanted to talk about with you is uh, this idea of of um, new wave European disco. That's uh, often I don't know is it mislabeled new wave because new wave in you know, in the 80s for, you know, Eurasia or New Wave, Depeche Mode, that's or the cure is very different from what New Wave Euro Disco is, right? It, the, those terms often get mixed up, right? And I, I would love to talk about that sort of, we share that around the world uh, as Vietnamese people at our generation. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? It, like, it is, it is, yeah, sure. I mean, like, yeah, it's all, it's all under the umbrella of new wave. But like, you, you're talking specifically of like, like modern talking, modern talking. CC catch, right? Like, Bad um, Boys Blue. Yeah, Bad Boys Blue. Yeah, I mean, that's like Italo disco or Euro disco, right? Italian, and that's like, <laughs> I mean, mostly primarily Italian and German, West German uh, uh, music producers who are just catching on to that new wave. Uh, kind of sound, you know, the synth yeah, sound. Yeah, boys, it's probably like, right in the middle of all of it. Sure, but like those are like you know, like, those are those are like the you know, I, I'll say the um, the big boys, right, so to speak, right. But you had like modern talking and CC Catch and like that's, that's like you know that's that's like definitely the soundtrack of my growing up. You know, my uncles, you know, like our you know, like and whatnot, were listening to that in the eighties and nineties. Around right? the so, world, Vietnamese around the world was behind. Not it. only not only not only Vietnamese, man. It was like you know, it's Asian in general, Asian Asia, Asian like. Hong Kongers, Koreans, you name it, man. It was just wow. like, uh, it was just very much like, yeah. I mean, like you look at like other Asian Americans, you know, those that, um, uh, that article that's been, that came out last week, I was like, I'm in the Atlantic, I forgot it was like, I forgot, but there's like, you know, why, why Asian Americans love, of like, you know, from the, from the eighties, especially were huge new wave fans. And like, you know, uh, Bizarre Love Triangle is, is the anthem, you know, so to speak, right? Yeah. So it's all kind of, kind of coupled from that, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, just from that, in, in that sense, like proliferated from, you know, especially that's how the, the beginnings of like Asia Entertainment and Paris by Night, Night, you know, um, all started as mixtapes, man. And then you had like, uh, you know, like mixtapes that were, that were like, it's all, that were like uh, made and, um, and uh, proliferated and, you know, like basically um, copied and sent around and like, you know, the, the local community, local uh, uh -huh. Vietnamese markets and what have you. And, Little Saigon and other other communities around the world, Vietnamese communities around the world, it's no different, you know. So but why uh, did it why did it take hold? Why did it uh, why was there such a grip 
uh, within the Vietnamese community around the world. What do you think is the the thing that we all bonded? Why did we bond to that music? Uh, you know, I, the, you know, I, you know, like I, I think, you know, I mean, that, that's, I always think about that too. I mean, like, you know, even like for my parents or like, you know, like oh, my dad, you know, like, like it's no different, like, you know, they, they, why, why, why is cha-cha music so big? <laughs> like, 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 yeah. like, you know, like the cha-cha music or like, or even like, you know, like, I think part of it is like, you know, uh, or, or, you know what it is? Like, I think I can only speak on Vietnam, but like, you know, like, like, you know, like yeah, yeah music, you know, the French, French yeah, yeah music in the sixties, you know, like you're thinking of France doll and you're thinking of like, um, or, or like, it's for certain stuff, Serge Gainsbourg, you know, or like, um, uh, Christophe, you know, and, uh, way yeah, after you know, often. and yeah, this is like the sixties and seventies, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. There's a, a label, was like, there's a label called yeah, Anna, um, that all the music yeah. you're describing. Yeah. But it's all yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y e h y e h, right? So, um, it's, it's you know it's very um kind of like kind of the equivalent of like you know early Beatles, yep. but more more innocent, you know, more teen, more innocent, you know, like it's like, um, um, and then a lot of that sound kind of just kind of um uh, morphed into you know like the you know like in, into you know the proliferation of like kind of like synthesizers and what have you simple production you know in that yeah. sense that you had like producers music producers were able to um i'm no different from like craft work to you know like it's like to like early hip-hop you know like it's yeah they were able to like you know with the 808 808s and all that stuff like it's like they were able to produce their music in their basement you know and like for the cheap you know and yeah. uh uh yeah so like uh yeah, so it's in, in in like in I think a lot of it was like when it comes to erasure and uh, you know um, the cure or whatever you know like it's like you know like that that was all you know Pet Shop Boys, but you look at like you know but like other bands like groups like you know um, Modern Talking or um, uh, or CC Catch you know Bad Boys Blues like you know they a lot of them were from Western Germany. You know, yeah, and uh, I think, uh, and like you know, I think from the you know the so former Soviet states, like you know, like, like you know, you know, like you're looking at like um, Czech Republic or like uh, and what have you, you know, like it's our European countries where there's like you know um, pockets of Vietnamese communities. I think that that you know it just took off, and then like you know like or like um, or even in your in, in Paris, like Paris by night, you know, like for God's sake, you know, like it's like a lot of these communities just transported over to the you know to the uh to the you know to to other communities in australia and the u.s and like you know just because and in orange county man uh little saigon that's like the that that was like the uh that was the hotbed you know i think that was the perfect kind of like primordial soup so to speak to uh for this type of sound to kind of like kick off and you know you, you had like high school kids you know who were like having their dj parties or house parties you name it you know like it's like Garage parties, no, no different from like in Daly City, man. Like you know, with the Filipino DJs, man. Like the, the, the garage parties happen we're having there too. You know, we, you know, like um, um, you know, one of our producers in uh, for Saigon Electric, you know, he was in, in in he was he was a DJ in like high school and college, man. He would 
he would drive to like Orange, he was from LA, but he would drive to Orange County or and he would drive to Reseda or drive to up to NorCal. He would drive to like Riverside just because he would he was a DJ man and he like he was just basically playing this type of music. And it's, it's kind of like how it kind of built this ground soul and following, you know. Um, yeah, it's such a, a big part of our history, you know. In a sense, in a sense, it's like it's outsider music, you know. It's outsider music in the sense that you know you have like, um, I mean, you know, your, your mainstream MTV was basically glam rock, heavy metal, yeah. or rap, you know. And then you know, that, of course, it was super popular. But you know, when you had like the Cure, or when you had people like the Smiths who were different, you know, why, why is Morrissey and the Smiths? Why are they so popular with Mexicans? Huge. You know, like it's like yeah, huge, huge. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, I think in a way, it's like kind of like this is like. Yeah, the sense of ownership that, like, you know, even the lyrics are like, um, I mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, I mean, you think of like, Italo Disco, it's like, you know, the lyrics aren't deep, but they're fun. Yeah, and, and for, like, for house, yeah. Yeah, but for house parties, they're super fun, right? You know, like, it's like, you know, they're like, it's like, they're, they're, they're bangers, you know? <laughs> like, they, still have, sense, like, they still have those parties in Orange County. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of exactly. old, old farts like us, but they, they still have them yeah. and people get dressed up and, do their hair yeah. like you know the 80s and but, but but rob smith you know like you know for the cure and something or morrissey man they were like you know they were outsiders and i think in a sense like you know like that that uh for the for, especially for the immigrant experience i think that was kind of like there was there was connection there was like yeah i get you rob smith i get you man yeah i think that's a, <laughs> like that's really yeah, a like it's like into it yeah absolutely absolutely you know if you're like you know like hanging on the parking lot or you know like it's like you know, just listen to music or like you know, these house parties. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, like it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. If you're like, like mission, mission control arcade in Orange County or you're or, or like drinking Zimas in like a cemetery, no different, man. Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, that was the, that was the, uh, the soundtrack of a generation. And I think it's like, I think that outsider aspect really kind of was key to that. Yeah. You, you, uh, how many movies do you watch a year? Uh, like in the hundreds, like I would say maybe one year I did like 500 something, you know, crazy. It's insane. That's like crazy. over yeah. a movie and a half every day. Well, I mean like movies come in different, you know, lengths, right. You know, so. Yeah. But it's still yeah. in, an incredible amount of movies to watch. And then I know that you're very um, plugged in into TV too, as well. You've watched uh, all of the popular shows and and stuff like that which well, i mean yeah. like but there's like there's like but like at the same time you know like you can't keep up and you know it's just too much stuff man it's just like when you have like, you're having like especially well at least in north america like 500 tv series being produced a year that's crazy you know? it's insane yeah uh, yeah yeah i i want to know what your idea of all of these new um shows like house of ho uh the bling empire what's your take on it we we have representation on screen but it might not be positive sometimes it might be messy um what's your what's your take on it well i mean i'm not a reality show fan like i don't watch i never watched like kissing what is it keeping up with the kardashians or yeah. uh what's that other show like um yeah oh, like those type of shows housewives i have no idea the bachelor you know yeah. I, I, I don't know you know i don't know any of that shit you know so um um so yeah I, honestly you know like i you know like i try to give like 
Ling Empire chance, but I expect. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea, you know? So, so I don't know, but you know, I mean, and House of Ho, you know, like it's like, um, I, you know, I, I watched it, you know, it's, 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 you know, like it's, it's, it's interesting. I just have a thing with like reality shows. Like I think it's all staged anyway, you know, so, um, or, you know, at least producer influence and that's true, you know? Yes. It's a fact, but like, it's do like, we need, a, do we need more? Like, when it comes to, I mean, representation, you know, I mean, like, it's like, you know, I think, I think it's definitely capturing the sense of like, <laughs> I mean, it's low hanging fruit because like Crazy Rich Asians is such a phenomenon. Like, oh, let's just make more Crazy Rich Asians, you know, like it's like, <laughs> there are a lot of different aspects of, of, of Asians and Asian Americans, especially, you know, like, it's like, you know, like, yeah. um, and like, I come from a working class background, you know, and you come from a working class background, you know, like, it's yeah. like, um, you know, like, it's like, um, there's more to, there's many facets, especially just in the Vietnamese community, you know, like, it's crazy, you know, like, it's like, um, I think that's why, in a sense, that's why, you know, uh, East is, that's why we want to, that's why we, we came up with East, it's because, you know, we want to see, because there are 500 series being produced just in North America alone, uh, and then, you know, there's a rise of streamers, and Netflix is in, you know, 190, 192 countries, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you're not making movie. You're not making the Cosby Show. You know, or that's a, I mean, I'm, or you're not making something like you're like you're not making something where it's like it's um, something for everyone. You know, yeah. You're not you're not diluting the 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 content, so to speak. You know, uh, I think that that's why authenticity uh, is very important. You're making it for uh, an engaged audience. It doesn't have to be a big big audience, but you know, when when the you know when the business model for Netflix is to not only gain more subscribers, but retain subscribers, make sure that on the end of the day, so it's basically, yeah. they just want you to auto, <laughs> auto, they, they auto have auto set auto payment on your credit card for, yeah. for Netflix and just forget about it. They don't, yeah. you know, it's like, that's the, that's, you know, if they can, if they can do that, that's great. They, they, then they can, they can invest their $16 billion a year in original content to do that, to, to basically, retain, you know, keep those subscribers. You know, and we, we, with, with being in 190 countries, then like that means, okay, great. We have to cater, we have to make content for Koreans for Korea, you know, we have to make content for Vietnamese for Vietnam, you know. So it's like, and then on a, you know, for Vietnam, you, you're looking at 100 million people, 100 million people population, about to crack 100 million people, rising middle class, uh, half of the, half of the populations under 40 years old, a very young population, you know. They're, you know, they watch, they, they watch their content online. So how do you capture that? So, you know, no different. There's a lot of content out there, the proliferation of content. How does this play out for like the business side of things? I mean, with so many movies and TV shows, are, is, the, is the model sustainable? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's no different from like startups, you know, like the, 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 the you know, the, the, um, basically the, uh, Silicon Valley, um, startups and whatnot. Is it sustainable? You know, cause it's, it's like, you know, cause you're not essentially, I mean, it's like in the, in the sense of, of economics 101, you're like, how do you, I mean, what are your widgets? You know, like, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah like, it's like, this is basically, you're making in the sense, like just ones and zeros 
and it's out in the ether. It's not something tangible and physical, like it's like, you know, like it's like, you know, it's an memory you made. Yeah. You know, like it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah. So and it was like, you know, so um and uh yeah, so and it's not basic and in, in the same time, you know, you look at the, the, the constant threat of like theaters, like, you know, I mean the pandemic doesn't help, but like yeah, there's always been, you know, there's always been, you know, the streamers has always been disruptor. No different from say um um VHS or DVDs as a disruptor or 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 television in color as a disruptor or television for 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 that matter, you know, as a yeah. disruptor. You know, so it's always the death knell for, for theaters. And like I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, it's like uh I feel like, you know, we in this pandemic, it's kinda like if we ever, you know, hopefully we get this under control and uh, I think we will, like um and, you know, or or at least live with COVID as a kind of like just a you know, just a just a you know part of everyday life in this globalized world. But I feel like you know, once we get this under control, and you know, we can go back to restaurants or theaters or concerts, it's going to be like the end of World War II, man. The yeah. end of the Blitz. It's going to be people want, they're craving for that, you know, connection, human connection. You know, it's like they're craving for that, and I think they're craving. They want to have that celebration. They want to go to concerts. They want to go. The movie theaters, you know, they want to go to restaurants, and I think that's gonna. If, if history is an indicator, you know that that's what happened after World War II, and I think that's gonna happen here, you know. Um, yeah, there's studies and books written about the um, the massive um, expansion of economies right after the Spanish flu. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, the exactly. roaring twenties in in the U.S. Do Do you yeah. think that we will be consuming less? Netflix and, and Amazon after COVID? Uh, no, because it's, again, I think it's just like, it's just a part of life. I think even before COVID, people were binging, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so I think it's just, you know, just that's just part of, that's just, you know, even, you know, binging in the, in, was, was not in your, not in the, not, a, not in the lexicon, not in our everyday pop culture vernacular 10 years ago. Yeah brand new thing yeah it's a brand new thing you know like it's like it's no different from like you know like yeah binging is like you know netflix's model like oh we're gonna put the entire season on drop it on you know so you can watch so you can binge the entire time yeah, you know? like, yeah. Like, so like it's like yeah uh so it's like yeah so i think it's like no it's not going away and i think it's like um um and you, as you see like you know that that's just it, it's you look at all these other streamers all these multinationals are um started on streamers you know like what 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 hbo max is doing is totally disrupting of like you know yeah. their, their whole theatrical slate is also premiering on hbo max the same day it's crazy you know like it's like so it's like yeah that's you know they're always gonna be new you know um it's all again it's all about ones and zeros man mm -hmm. it's all about bandwidth and ones and zeros that's the thing you know like it's like uh, and also, like you know, like the you know, like um, and you know, <laughs> connecting to five G and all that stuff. You know, yeah. like it's like, yeah, it's like um, I mean, you look at even Netflix. You look know, like in other countries, developing countries. You know, there, there's even like um, um, different tiered system of like uh, of, of subscription systems where it's like okay, it's like mobile only. So it's like uh, from standard dev versus high dev. It doesn't wow. have to be four K UHD. You know, um. You know, for for India, where if you're you're watching your stuff on your phone, you know, like or Vietnam, you don't necessarily have like a big screen, 55 inch TV, but you're watching it on, 
uh, on your motorbike on, on, on your, on your mobile phone, you know, like, so like on your smartphone, you know, it's like, that's, yeah. So yeah, there's going to be, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, um, um, yeah. So there, I think there's other, I think it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. That's kind of like, that's, that's how we consume. That's how we consume content every day. No matter. Like, it's like, it's more of the, it's more about the, the medium or the format, the structure of storytelling is going to change, you know? Yeah, uh, it's going to be like it's TikTok. You know, TikTok is like, I mean, TikTok is transformative. Not only not only when it comes to like you know like having um, <laughs> dance battles to some weekend the, the song song from the weekend or something, but it's like you know transformative politically. You know, like it's like uh, you you look at the ground game in Georgia, for example. Yeah. Like you know, like you're looking at like what Stacey Abrams and and what you know, like in their organizations using TikTok to engage. You know, to night and they mobilize you know like it's like uh, young voters you know like that's incredible you know like look at k-pop 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 stands who are like you know like you know, who are like, you know just like kind of like uh trolling far right uh uh hashtags you know it's like crazy you know like it's like uh and then like and, or no different from reddit you know and what's happening with uh, amc GameStop. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and gamestop you know like like you're looking at the you know, like these, you know, kind of basically um, uh, wreaking havoc in Wall Street, wreaking havoc on these hedge funds, you know, and, and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, man, it's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. I think it's, it's that's, crazy. That's just Be- like, yeah. Before uh, the movie Avatar came out, I remember being a kid thinking about, you know, one day we're just going to like jump into a, a little pod and sort of plug in and be transported into different, you know, virtual reality worlds and you know and and it seems like netflix and streamers probably have a long way to go or not even a long way to go they they probably will end up going the route of creating virtual worlds and 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 video games and content where we can just hop into our you know quote unquote our pods and just disappear for for weeks and probably have feeding (laughs) tubes where we can just go for weeks on end or months on end and and not have to engage. That's what I mean. That's but we're already, we're already, we're already experiencing that. That's called the pandemic. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like, and like, and then you're looking at like gaming. The gaming is like a you know, the game, video games, man. It's like it's 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 talk about um, immersive, a huge, huge industry. You know, like it's like you know, you're looking at the, the most exciting storytelling in gaming. Yeah, uh, um, beating out films. It's like by far sometimes. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like you know, you're looking at like The Last of Us Two or Death Stranding, and like it's like you know, uh, you know, what kind of controversy with Cyberpunk 2077? You know, like it's like, you know, these are like event, event, event things. No different from like you know, like the Avengers. You know, but they are much more immersive in the sense that you are the protagonist, right? right. And uh, yeah, so it's like you know, it's wreaking habit, habit on the auteur theory in a sense, like you know, like. like you know, like it's like, but at the same time, like, um, yeah, I mean, we're 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 already there, man. And I think it's like, you know, we just gotta. I mean, for for VR or XR, you know, uh, the or XR, you know, like like it's like, yeah, it's just like, it's just the technology is gonna get up. You know, like it's like it's not necessarily like, okay, yeah, you can use it um on your you know um Google VR headset or like your 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 your, your Samsung headset, but you know, it's gonna. You know, it's, it's cumbersome where it's, it heats up, you know, overheats, too, get too sweaty, you know, you get dizzy, or how do you monetize it? 
theater too you know like how do you monetize it? it's like once that once you pass that threshold then yeah um you know the you know it's it's yeah yeah it probably will be like hooking you know very much like a minority report or something like that you're hooking yeah. yourself up into a pod you know, or something or avatar you know? God, the economics will will change but you know yeah. it, there, there's still a beauty to um you know our real life uh since uh our our sense our sensory ability to kind of like yeah, i mean you have that with ar with pokemon go you know ar is yeah. just like everyday 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 life as well so yeah. anyway, go ahead yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I was going to introduce this whole thing about you, you know, you walk a lot. I, I know that since the pandemic, we, you know, we've had this contest, we've, you know, in our inner circle, we've had this contest of, of, of walking steps. And I think you're like uh, killing everybody with averages of 17,000 steps a day. And, you know, um, tell me about that. Tell me what like motivates you to walk that much. Oh, just to, you know, first of all, for health, right? But it's also yeah. because of the pandemic, it's, you know, where you're working from home. It's like, you know, like, it's like, it's like, oh, great. I can, you know, like, I can, like, you know, I can just walk and be socially distant, you know? And uh, and it's then like, you know, you clear your head, you listen to podcasts, uh, audiobooks, Audible, you know, and what have you. But at the same time, it's like, again, it's AR in the sense that you're, it's the gamification mm-hmm. of it all. You know, it's like really like, okay, you know, like, I gotta, I gotta reach this goal, you know, and like, I gotta beat like, my boys. Uh, I gotta beat my boys. And like, <laughs> exactly. And like, uh, or you have all these challenges, you know, that's why in a sense, like Peloton is like so popular, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like, um, yeah. Gamifying the high gamified, mind. Gamifying the high mind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we talked about, <laughs> I mean, we don't get into a bunch, but like game theory of all, you know, the whole game theory of everything, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like uh, you know, I mean, you know, different from what's happening in, in in wall street you know with uh you know um it's a gamification of it all you know um and i think it's like um intrigued, intrigued by that you know so um um yeah yeah anderson yeah. i am i'm very appreciative of um all the work that you've done within the community all the work that you've done to help just somebody like me um throughout my you know journey and in, in and in uh, just my personal life, you know, my development and everything. Um, I hope that, you know, next year or actually this year when the pandemic is lifted and things are getting better, that we can revisit some of the topics that we talked about or talk about the new projects that we have um, on our slate. This was a very, you know, the time went by really quick for me. And um, I hope to do this again very soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, one of the sad things, like, you know, I think the one of the, also one of the main reasons why we started East is because, that, you know, I mean, this is uh, basically a time of opportunity. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, basically, you know, when you have these initiatives of diversity, you know, um, across the board, you have like a sense of, like you don't have to make, you don't have to um, make make films or TV or what have you or content that appeals to someone in, to you know someone in Peoria, you know, like, it's like, you know, yeah. it, it just like, it's honestly, and also like, to be honest, like, you know, just to um, uh, leverage the <laughs> white liberal guilt of like, <laughs> of, of, of like, you know, like, of like, you know, having our masters provide the, uh, provide these op- opportunities to like you know, diversify the gatekeeper, diversify artists, and like diversify, you know, the distribution platforms, diversify the, the pipelines you know like it's like 
and as well as honestly to globalize, you know, and the globalization of entertainment. Like you, you know, who would have thought that a Spanish language show called Money Heist would be one of the biggest shows in the world, you know, or or even Terrace House, for example, you know, like these are example, you know, you know, like uh, um, because of that, you know, there's opportunities. Like at the end of the day, it's like you know, I mean, like even the way we review review stuff on T on Netflix is like, you know, everything, even if it's English. If it's American, you, everyone watches it. A lot of people watch it with subtitles already. You know, yeah. you know, like it's like yeah. You, if you're watching like Bling Empire, you're watching it with subtitles. Some people watch it at like 1.5 times the speed. You yeah. know, uh, you know, it's like it's like yeah, because they want to get through it all and you know all that stuff. Like the way we even consume content's changing. So in the end of the day, it doesn't have to be you know made for one. For the mainstream, you know, it's just, you know, it's just like it's it's the success is like you just kind of, you know, it's very more so in the sense of niche audiences, you know, like I think it's like if it's just authentic to that audience and it's it's a success, you know, and, and also it's like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to make huge opening weekend numbers either, you know, just as long as, you know, Netflix is sustaining itself by making sure that people forget to. Like, take off the auto <laughs> auto uh, like auto pay for your yeah. Netflix subscription then yeah they need to make content you know they I, need I, to, yeah I think we're gonna live long enough I mean in a very few short years to see something come out of Vietnam like money heist I, I think it's right around the corner for for our our industry and our our niche oh absolutely I mean you're looking at looking at K dramas like you're looking at um, that are now super popular in, on Netflix you know it's kind of crossover the mainstream, you know, and you have like, you know, um, dude, even like anime, you know, like anime has now become like a huge moneymaker now. It's always been, but I mean, at least now, and you're looking at like Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, right? Like he's yeah. one of the biggest stars in America. You know, he's a huge fan of Naruto and like an anime, you know, like his, he started his own you know, company to produce anime, you know, like it's like, you're looking at like you know so are are you looking at like um yeah so or, random or Michael like, B Jordan yeah yeah, yeah man so random yeah it's just no the, so the barriers are completely completely broken down like you you're looking at again it's like geeks will inherit, inherit the, the world you know right, you're yeah. looking at people don't have to watch Dragon Ball or Avatar: Last Airbender or Sailor Moon in like <laughs> in secret. They can be <laughs> out and proud about it, in a sense. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's fine. It's fine. It's great. You know, like it's like, yeah, man. It, it is the Asian century too. It is the Asian century. So, yeah, we we've got to ride that. We got to ride that wave. Yeah. To yeah, I, I, amazing time. Well, I appreciate it, and and thanks again, Anderson. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll catch up soon on on the podcast. All right, man. All right, I'll talk Take to care. you uh, very soon. All right. Aloha. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran and Javier Proenza. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.